Are you out of your mind? Here's the debate. You're upset. They're saying we believe you. This is it? I thought, All right, so podcast episode number 166. We didn't have any podcasts last week. We're that. back, baby. We are fully back. We got some guests. With two special guests today with a lot of topics to discuss. We have uh, potentially the greatest marketer ever in politics. He could have been a CMO at a Fortune 100 company. And uh, if his father was a gangster from an Italian family, he could have been a boss. Okay, And that's Roger Stone. But uh, many call him a uh, uh, one of the greatest political lobbyists of all time, whether you love him or hate him. He's very, very good at what he does, an absolute strategist. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roger, it's good to have you here. Great to be back. And we also have uh, 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 Rick Prado here with us. For those of you that don't know who Rick Prado is, 24-year vet with the CIA. He served in the operations uh uh, an officer in six overseas posts. He was a deputy chief of station and a plank owner of the original Bin Laden task force issues station under senior analyst Michael Shure. Uh And he was also chief operations in the CIA counterterrorist center, CTC, during the September 11 uh, attacks, 9-11 attacks, were proud to help coordinate CIA special operations activities with the National Security Council and the FBI, as well as the elite U.S. military representatives from Delta Force, SEAL Team 6, uh, then detailed to CTC. Thank you for being on as well. And you run a company today, right? Co-owner of Camp X. Yeah, this yes? uh, is a uh, training facility for uh, our special operations forces. Yeah, so so there there's a lot of... Uh, uh, there's a lot of things going on that we can cover today that has to do with your background and as well as has to do with your background. I'm curious to know what your positions have changed with presidency coming into 2023, 2024. If you were a uh, the people in Vegas who are looking at odds on who could be the president, they're probably curious to know who you think has a shot at being president. You saw uh, Trump years ago when he was in his 40s and you said, this guy's got what it takes to be president one day. You ended up being right. People thought you were crazy, but it is what it is. Uh, and, and one of Roger's favorite lines that stuck with me after the first time we did an interview, I love what you said. You said there is four phases we all go through, right? Mm. Who is Roger Stone, okay? Get me Roger Stone. Get me someone like Roger Stone. And then who is Roger Stone, right? Exactly. We, we all kind of go through that phase exactly. and we'll process that. But uh, folks, if you're uh, on here, um, we got a lot of topics to cover. Let me kind of give you an idea what topics we're going to be discussing today before we go through our first sponsorship, and then uh, we'll get right into it. First topic we'll get into is, I just put it as Clarence Thomas. I mean, obviously, I know it's Supreme Court. I know it's Roe v. Wade. But it's, you know, Clarence Thomas has done a lot of things in the last— He's making a lot of headlines. A lot of headlines, and he's not slowing down. He seems like he wants to go after the LGBT, the you know, the same-sex marriage. He's talking about morning after pill. People are losing their minds. Riots protesting all over the country. We'll talk about that. Number two, we'll talk about what happened with Russia uh, going into default mode. And then at the same time, G7 nations to announce ban on Russian gold as Moscow sanctions widen. And then Putin uh, says, warns London will be bombed first if a World War III was, uh, was to break out. And then topic number three will be Trump. Uh, Bill Maher uh, claims Trump could win easily because of drag queens, but he can't let go of the election. Curious to know what you think about that. More than a million voters have switched to Republican Party in the last year. That's a New York Post story. 
And then uh, a uh, apparently a big fist fight broke out with Rudy Giuliani. I don't know if you guys saw that or not. It's, it's, it's something that happened. Tough there. guy, Rudy Giuliani. Yeah, he well, took it though. Well, I don't know how he did. By the way, it's it's either Nancy Pelosi's elbow or Rudy getting patted in the oh, back. We got to talk about that. Close. And then Biden says we have to prepare for the next pandemic. We need funding for the next pandemic, which uh, maybe an, a former CIA agent has some information we don't know about. And last but not least, retirement savers have lost three trillion dollars in the stock market that's three trillion dollars in the stock market that's been lost we'll cover all that and some more stories but let me get into a quick sponsorship here and why we chose to get these guys as our core one of our main sponsors uh, on the pbd podcast and that's aura let me explain to you why we chose this first of all you know, if you yourself are doing what you're doing on a daily basis, we all know the fastest growing crime in America right now is identity theft. It's happening every 14 seconds. Uh, for the first time in the U.S. history, theft from cybercrime in the U.S. exceeds that from uh, you know robbery. I myself have gone through this multiple times with social, with credit cards. It happens regularly nowadays. Matter of fact, what I love about these guys or what they're doing is you can actually go test to see how many times your personal information is used on the dark web. Some of our guys here did it, and one of our guys, Aaron, went and tested it out. He saw that his 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 password, his personal information has been used on a dark web 30-plus times. Holy moly. Yeah, what I, what I love about these guys, you can go find out how many times your own password and personal information has been used before. So if it's happened to me, it can happen to you. That's why I'm excited to partner with Aura, A-U-R-A, who is sponsoring this video. Aura is a identity theft protection, fraud monitoring, a VPN password management, and antivirus software all combined into one easy-to-use app. You may have one of these tools, but not having all of them is like locking the front door, but leaving the back door wide open. Aura monitors the dark web for your emails, password, and social security numbers, and sends alerts fast right to your phone and email. When it comes to fraud, every second matters. Connect your credit card and bank accounts and get notified of any changes up to four times faster than Aura competitors. That's insane. Their VPN allows you to stay anonymous online by keeping your browsing history and personal information safe and encrypted. And their antivirus software will block malware uh, malware and viruses before they infect your devices. If you're a traveling person, you're an executive, you definitely want to check this out. And uh, for the folks that are listening to the PBD podcast, the first 14 days is a free trial. Protect yourself in, uh, uh, with uh, from the fastest growing crime. Try Aura free for two weeks and see if any of your family's personal information has been compromised. Visit Aura, A-U-R-A dot com forward slash PBD. One more time, A-U-R-A dot com forward slash PBD for your 14-day free trial. Having said that, let's get right into it. I figured the first topic, we, we could go to Roe v. Wade, but I figured it's appropriate for us to go maybe into the Trump topic first and address that because... You know, it, it, Roger, if you don't mind, most of the world who's in the political world knows who you are, but some don't. Can you take a minute and give everyone your background of what you've done in, in politics the next 30, the last 30, 40 years? Wow. <clears throat> well, I've, I have worked on uh, 11 national presidential campaigns, starting with Richard Nixon, three campaigns for Governor Ronald Reagan, later President Ronald Reagan, uh, worked in the U.S. Senate for Senator Bob Dole, one of the greatest men of the 20th century. Uh, did uh, service for uh, George W. Bush, uh, and then, of course, uh, Donald Trump. Uh, I am, uh, I'm a Trump supporter. I make that very clear. I think I may have been among the earliest people in the country to see his potential uh, as not only a great presidential candidate, but a great president. 
He certainly changed history in many ways. Uh, I do think people underestimate the extent to which he dominates the Republican Party at the grassroots level, not among the party leaders. Those are the guys who, like with Reagan, had to pretend they liked him because he was so popular among their voters. Uh, but uh, this is still his party. He has transformed the party from being the party of country club elites uh, to being the party of working class people, uh, based largely on his economic record. Uh, and therefore, I think he's in a commanding position if he wants to run again. I think he does want to run again. I actually think his announcement of candidacy may come as early as July, this July, uh, for a couple of reasons. <clears throat> One, of course, is the ongoing effort by the Democrats to disqualify him, fabricate some crime that would that prevent him from running, clearly what they're trying to do in connection to January 6th. Uh, and also there are, you know, he has a rival out there, our own governor, Ron DeSantis, who's made it pretty clear that he might want to try to take on the champ. Um, the national polls show that Trump would prevail in that, that contest as well, but um, I think he's highly likely uh, to run again. He's highly likely to run again. I believe so. And, and there's two camps. There's a camp that says DeSantis won't run directly against Trump, and there's a camp that says, no, he's going to run because the opportunity is so hot right now for DeSantis with the record he's had in Florida the last two years. This is a perfect time for, for him to run. Where do you stand with that? First of all, he needs to get himself reelected. He's got a contest this November. Uh, he should not take that for granted. I think he's favored. But Florida's not a red state, and it's not a blue state. It's a purple state. Mm -hmm. uh, and the governor is, is very popular. Uh, I'm certainly going to vote for his reelection. But he's also very polarizing. Uh, so, uh, you know, Richard Nixon won lost the presidency in 1960, decided to run for governor in 1962 on his way to the 64 nomination. Something went wrong. Mm -hmm. He didn't get elected governor, and that was the end of that comeback attempt. Interesting. But DeSantis, I think, would be wise to pay attention to the contest before him, uh, before he gets ahead of himself. Uh, this is, uh, I, I, he would be a formidable candidate. I, I don't deny that. Um, but uh, he is, he doesn't have the charisma that Trump has. He doesn't have the, the, uh, the presence that that Trump has. The governor's very good in a controlled atmosphere. When he has the microphone and nobody else does, he does great. But he's not self-deprecating. He's not funny. He's not entertaining. He's kind of stiff. You said Trump's self-deprecating? All the time. Yeah, absolutely. Trump makes jokes about himself. And you say DeSantis is kind of a stiff. Kind of a stiff. I mean, he's very focused. Mm -hmm. He's very disciplined, which is a key factor in politics. But he's not very charismatic. He's a little mm -hmm. boring. He's a little boring. Is, char is charisma the most important quality a president could have? We live in the television age. Mm -hmm. You know, they asked Ronald Reagan, do you think it was detrimental to your, your, your prospects to be president that you were an actor? And he said, you know, I don't see how, how a guy who wasn't an actor could ever do this job. This is in 1980 <laughs> or prior to that? Uh, when he was president. Oh, well. I don't see someone who's not an actor can do this job. Can you imagine that line? For Reagan to say, which which makes sense. Okay, uh, is Rick in the the Trump camp? Where do you stand on this? You live in Florida, so you probably have strong opinions on DeSantis, Trump, all that. Well, I, I voted for Trump both times. I think that he has put together the best policies for this country. I love his patriotism. Um, I love his support for our law enforcement and, of course, for our military, special military and, and uh, law enforcement and federal agencies. Um, I also like DeSantis. I think that he's done an incredible job here in Florida. 
Um, and I've talked to a lot of people about this. A lot of people don't want DeSantis to run because they don't want him to leave Florida. Yeah. It's a very selfish Pat part of it. has been vo- yeah. very vocal about that, yeah. That's a, that's a big concern a lot of Floridians have. But I think, I think the biggest question is the following. And, and I'm curious to know what you say about this. So you know how uh, 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 in MMA or in boxing, certain people that come from the same camp, you know, they don't fight each other. And then if they do, there's a big, you know, uh, 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 rift. There's a big falling out between the two. Yet Masvidal had a falling out with Kobe. Kobe they used to exactly. come from the same camp. So if you follow MMA, yep. you're both, you know, you. Yep. So you hear stories like that. Do, what, what do you, so, so visualize the stage, which is what everybody is wanting to see if it's going to happen or not. Oh, first mm-hmm. Republican, you know, uh, presidential debate on the Republican side. Okay, so we're looking at all the candidates on stage. You're going to see, say, Rubio, maybe Cruz. You see all the candidates that we see, right? They're on the stage. Maybe Mayor Suarez. I don't know. But you got these names on the stage, right? They're debating. Everybody knows it's really two names. It's not any other names. The other guys are up there just to kind of be up there, but we know it's only two names. Do you remember the, the scene when Kamala Harris went right after Biden? Do you remember that one scene when Kamala Harris went yeah, after about Biden? about busing back in yeah. the uh, 80s. And then it's surprisingly, she ends up becoming a VP, which is right. a very weird thing that happens. But what happens when these two go at it? You know, what happens when they call each other out? Who calls, each, who, calls who out first? How is the market going to take it? How are Republicans going to take it? How are Democrats going to use it? How are the other side going to be prepared? Let's just say Trump takes a shot at DeSantis. Is DeSantis going to come out strong towards Trump? If DeSantis comes out first and takes a shot at Trump, is Trump going to come out and bully him like he typically does? Is that good for the party? Have they spoken prior? Are they going to call each other out and say, listen, hey, DeSantis, we know it's you and I. Uh, let's take it easy on each other. Is that going to be the conversation? Or is Trump going to say, "Nah, I'm not going to do that. We're going at it to see who's going to win. How do you see this happening? Well, there's not too many questions there. Uh, <laughs> uh, first of all, it's two years from now, and two years uh, is a lifetime in politics. A month is a lifetime in politics. Uh, Governor Santos did not fare very well in his two debates with Mayor Gillum. Again, an uncontrolled atmosphere. Uh, he does very well in a controlled atmosphere where he has the podium and the microphone. Trump will be entertaining, always entertaining. Uh, and that's that's very important uh, in, in our culture. I mean, politics is entertainment. The worst thing in politics to be is boring. Trump is, mm-hmm. is never boring. Um, but to handicap something that's two years from now is extraordinarily different, uh, difficult. But you did that 30 years, though. You, well, you handicapped 30 years well, prior to Trump I, I being was, president. I was just able to That's spot, even more difficult. I was just actually able to see a, a, you know, a prime piece of political horse flesh. I was prepared to see a guy who I thought had the size, I don't mean the physical size, but the presence uh, and the courage and the stamina uh, yeah. and the willingness to say anything to be an interesting uh, and provocative not only candidate, but then have the courage to be a strong president. Trump break, broke the mold. I mean, before Trump, we had no president who wasn't a general or a senator or a governor. We never had a business person as president. So um, on paper, Trump shouldn't have been able to win. He broke all of the rules. Didn't spend millions of dollars on network television advertising. Still got elected president. So um, I still think he's the favorite. On the other side of the coin, not to, not to shock you, but my prediction on the Democratic nominee for president in 2024, Michelle Obama, almost I certainly. I agree. Uh, You're this, saying most certainly. Yeah, I, I mean, this book tour. Did you see what she to, said yesterday? Yeah, she's because, out. 
Yeah, but she's I, out there being very. Go ahead. She's, no, she's being out, very I, active right now. I mean, she's out doing this book tour, these voter registration drives, and so on. She's certainly not doing it for the money. So, mm-hmm. um, no, I think she's positioning herself. And by the way, I think she'll be a very formidable candidate. You think she could beat Trump? Too far away. Um, mm-hmm. Our gas prices the same as they are today. Do we have food shortages? Are we still dying from this rampant inflation? Uh, are we are we shipping forty billion dollars to Ukraine when we can't spend five and set point seven million mm-hmm. to seal our southern border? I mean, the the issue situation today would favor any Republican in the in at least in the next election round and perhaps the following round. But again. Mm-hmm. Reagan had a sour economy in the middle of his first term. The economy was roaring by the end of, it, of his first term, mm. and he got reelected. So meaning if things change and Powell increasing the rates, doing what he does, maybe flattens in, in, in inflation, and then he can lower interest rates a little bit. So then we go back to having a decent economy, and gas prices go lower. Everything is now a little bit more settled. You think the likelihood of Biden getting reelected? It's higher, I, or you I, just don't think he's going to run I, again? I don't see him running again okay, in, in got the it. final analysis. So no matter what, on the left, it's going to be somebody else outside of Biden is what you're saying. That is my belief, yeah. Do you also agree? Absolutely. Who do you think it's going to be? Uh, I don't know. And the news of uh, Michelle Obama scares me because uh, she is, um, I, I consider her a very drastic uh, left-wing individual. Um, you know, from, from my, and I'm not a politician, that's obvious, but for, from my perspective, you know, the, the far right is always going to vote far right. And the far left is always going to vote left. So we need a candidate, especially in our Republican Party, somebody that can bring in that middle America. Mm-hmm. You know, that average American out there mm-hmm. that finally cannot afford to be yeah. the silent majority anymore and become a not-so-silent majority. Well, so, you, you so are, say- you, are you going to, when you said that, are you saying DeSantis? Is that kind of where you were going with mm-hmm. that? No, neither one. Uh, either one. Okay. I, I, I um, you know, let the best men win, but I know which way I would be voting would be still that way. But, but, but let me ask you a question, Roger, from your, from your uh, having done this for a while. How often do, do candidates, leading candidates of the same party talk to each other before the first debate? Oh, almost always. And what does that call sound like? What's that conversation uh, sound like? Uh, you know, it can be like the way off in a in a prize fight. You know, they can trash talk each other. Right. Or, but I, I think the, I think the president's kind of nonchalant about this. He was quoting the New Yorker last week as saying, "Look, it's his prerogative. If he runs, he runs. I'll beat him." I think that's the right attitude. Got it. But it's not uh, deals are not made pre or are deals made pre first debate that takes place i don't think everybody makes a deal because everybody goes into that debate thinking i'm the guy this is my opportunity to break through maybe i'm back in the pack right now but this is my opportunity to break through uh uh, the field will winnow pretty close pretty quickly because trump is so completely dominant the only one as you correctly pointed out who potentially is a, a challenger who can get anything together uh is ron DeSantis. i mean mike pompeo who out on the street in front of the uh, of, of the studio mm-hmm. and ask the first seven people you see who Mike Pompeo is? They don't even know who Marco yeah. Rubio is, and we live in Florida. That's pretty. So, so th- this is a c- complete different question. But since we're on this here, so so far three names, which I fully agree on. Those three names: Obama, uh, 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 Michelle Obama. You got Trump. You got DeSantis. Great. But let's talk about wild cards. Okay, and wild cards are somebody we least expect. Okay, uh, th- there were talks of a rock saying, "Hey, one day, you know, he wouldn't mind becoming a president." You hear Logan Paul and Jake Paul talk about they're going to be presidents. Logan Paul, to me, I think that guy's got a big upside. He's he's entertaining. He's smart. He's 
good looking. He's a good talker. He's a great marketer. He's a good storyteller. But he's young, right? But in a setting where a Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, my opinion, this is a perfect time for him to run if he wants to win. Now, politically, whether you agree with him or this is not about politics. I'm not asking policies. I'm asking timing-wise. The left doesn't have an exciting uh, candidate, okay? The right is confused between two different candidates. If there's ever been a time for a guy like that to jump in there, whether you like his policies or not, it's irrelevant. Do you think this will be a good time for The Rock to make a move? Uh, it's a tremendous advantage uh, in American politics, particularly presidential politics, to begin well-known. Ronald Reagan had a, a career before politics. Donald Trump had a career before politics. So they were both able, in a way, to skip the step, the first step of politics, which is to become well-known. Candidates like The Rock begin well-known. Now, I'm not sure which party he's in. I'm not really clear what his politics are, uh, but it, it is not inconceivable that he could be a viable candidate because he has that elusive quality. He's got celebrity quality. He's extremely well-known. That's an excellent leg up. It's one of the principal reasons why Trump was able to be nominated. So so if we do matchups, we do matchups. You know how you see the boxing matchup, 74-inch rage versus 72-and-a-half. Height, weight, 178. Okay, let's do a matchup. The tail of okay. the tape. Exactly, right? The tail so, of the tape. so you got The Rock versus Reagan. Reagan was a B. Level actor. He wasn't an A. He, he, but, but he'd been governor, and, and he had a very successful okay, so term as governor. Perfect. So, so fair enough. So that's the edge. So The Rock, somebody could say, highest paid actor, right? He's made his money. Uh, he's got God knows how many followers on social media. He's an international figure, so he's got that part. Um, then if you look at some of the other names, if you compare him to Trump, well, Trump wins on success of business, you know, what he's built, his brand, but The Rock may win for, you know, being more famous policies. Trump's been talking policies since the 80s. I don't know if The Rock's been talking politics for 30 years. So that's the one part where he has, even he himself said, this is not an area where I excel in. But all I'm asking is, in a situation like this, if you got a call from one of these guys, from one of their handlers saying, hey, we want this thing to be, you know, we want you to sign an NDA, and we don't want you to say this to anybody. We are willing to hire you as a you know political uh, strategist, but no one knows this. If feedback was given to them, what would you say to some of these guys? You want to be president? Run for governor. You want to be president? Run for senator. In other words, Trump would run on a four-year record of unprecedented economic growth, rebuilt of our rebuilding of our military, appointments to scores of conservatives to the court. He's got a record to run on. I don't think you can go from actor to president without an intermediate step. Reagan had two terms as governor of California, very successful terms. That's what qualified him to be president. His 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 uh, presence, obviously, his charisma made him a strong candidate, but it was the record that mattered. Crazy question for you. If Arnold was born in the U.S., could he have been a president? Uh, he, he may have been. Of course, his politics shifted over time. Right. So he started as a Reagan Republican. He ended up as a Kennedy Democrat. Right, right. That's not too far removed, though, these days. These days, yeah, that's right? true. He went from 40-yard line to 40-yard line is the way I would is, interpret it. Is that. there anybody else you see there that's a wild card that has a shot at, uh, 
you know, shaking things up in 2024? I, I don't see it. But okay. again, it's, right. it's two years from now. It's very hard to say. Two years is a long time in politics? It is. Really? A month is a long time in okay. politics. Okay. All right. Well, listen, I'm, I'm talking to the guy that predicted things mm-hmm. 30 years ago. I thought maybe you had that mojo today. You're going to tell us something where we can go I to think Vegas. To sum up what, we what, got uh, some Vegas people on here. What our friend Roger Stone is saying is that I think you once said it is better to be infamous than to never be famous at all. I did say that. And you are, uh, would you, is it fair to say that you are living in infamy? Uh, I am today, yes, thanks to the folks at CNN. You is may it have just seen, them? You, you may have seen my early morning uh, CNN TV show. I had 29 FBI co-stars. Yeah, it was they, a they great were, show. <laughs> they, were, they were all carrying fully automatic M4 assault weapons mm-hmm. to arrest a 68-year-old man with no priors for the, uh, for the white-collar crime of lying to Congress, which I wasn't even guilty of. How do you lie about Russian collusion when there is no Russian collusion? Not possible. Mm-hmm. Did you have a follow-up? I'm, I'm waiting for you to see if you have... Well, I, I feel like, where are you going somewhere with I that? I feel like we're, there's a couple... There's many different directions. You know, I've asked many friends. I got Roger Stone coming on. You wouldn't believe the wildly different opinions I have. I wrote some of them down. Some of them said he's a national treasure and he's a American hero. Some says that guy's not in jail. Some says that guy is a treasonist and he should be locked up. Mm. Why are you such a polarizing figure? Because uh, I tell you what I really think, uh, because I've beaten a lot of Democrats in elections, uh, because uh, I believe in loyalty. Look, I, I was charged for one reason, to pressure me to testify falsely against Trump. I refused to do that. That, that aggravated a lot of people, and I was marked for destruction. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is only through an act of mercy and justice that the president pardoned, my, uh, pardoned me in my conviction. But two years after I was convicted, by court order— uh, Robert Mueller and the DOJ are forced to release the redacted section of the report in which they admit they never had any evidence against me of Russian collusion or WikiLeaks collaboration uh, or any other uh, criminal act. So, uh, no, I think to half the people, I'm a hero. To the half mm-hmm. the people, it's a villain. Uh, I've at least made my mark. It's better than being no one. Yeah. The uh, So you're comfortable being the villain to half of America? I don't I don't have any choice. It's, it's uh-huh. not a question whether I'm comfortable with it or not. I do I do find it odd uh, that violence has become, uh, you know, has become acceptable. Words, if I went to a restaurant and I saw someone across the room that I disagreed with politically, I wouldn't mm-hmm. start screaming or throwing things at them or threatening them. I'd ignore them. But that that is that is not the case today. And public shaming uh, and violence are all too uh, common. I can't leave South Florida without a professional security. It's not viable. Really? Not viable. Not viable. Some may say that you were the the head of the snake for the how ugly politics is today. Uh, you started what they call negative uh, campaign advertising. Um, do you do you feel any sort of like um, I'm not going to say remorse, but like, or maybe it's pride that you were kind of the originator of how dirty politics is, or has it always been this dirty? But you've been sort of nicknamed this dirty trickster. Even though that's not the terminology you use, but they use for you. I think you once said on your tombstone, it's not going to say what you describe yourself as the agent provocateur. You're certainly provocative, um, but it will likely say dirty trickster. However, you don't use those words. Correct. So how would you explain that? Uh, you know, Abraham Lincoln's opponents handed out leaflets saying that he was of mixed race. I'm sorry, I didn't. I didn't invent negative <laughs> politics. Politics. You weren't around in the Lincoln days. Uh, is I was, what you're saying? I was not the head of youth for Lincoln. <laughs> uh, the point I'm making is that politics has always been a contact sport in America. 
uh, I, I didn't change that. I'm not responsible for that. I have always played uh, the game by the rules and the laws mm-hmm. by which it is regulated. As politics has changed, you have to change. Got it. Rick, question for you, and, and Roger, I'd like to get your commentary on this as well. I was speaking to a friend of mine who's a also former CIA agent yesterday when I got back, and I asked him a question. I said, so when it comes down to these agencies, FBI and CIA, right, where do they recruit from? Do they recruit people from these big Yale schools? Do they go to you know these big uh, uh, Ivy League schools and they're picking people up from there? And if they do... Most of them are indoctrinated in one side politically, but their job is to protect everybody. How often did you see in the CIA or in the FBI the individual person's political leanings influence their decision-making and their job? I I never really saw it. I think that that is a new trend. Uh, Part of the issue that that I have is, you know, our federal agencies need to be headed by people that were part of that agency. Political appointees do not do well as a head of something that they don't understand. If you've never been in a car meeting with a terrorist in a dark alley, how can you make decisions that, that, that affect me on the street? So I, I think the politicization of, of, of our agency is, is part of the problem. I mean, you have people that go in there, they're political appointees, they owe alliance to whoever allowed them to go in there rather than to those people that, that, that work for them or her. Roger, what do you think about what Rick just said? Uh, I think the vast majority of rank-and-file FBI and CIA employees and agents are honest people who have no politics. The political corruption is at the top of, of, the, of those agencies. Um, when, when FBI agents, agents are raiding the home of journalists to find out whether they have a copy of Joe Biden's daughter's diary, I think, that, I think that's crossing a line. When FBI agents are... Uh, are raiding the home of the number three guy at the Department of Justice because he held a different legal opinion than others. I don't think I don't think that's I don't think that's appropriate. Yeah, you're talking about James O'Keefe when uh, they. Yeah, O'Keefe and in, in this case, uh, uh, Jeffrey Clark. Jeffrey the, Clark, the yeah. FBI director, uh, the DOJ. Yeah, I, I wonder when I think about. Uh, uh, by, by the way, the two parties. It, it, can you pull up to see which, which not parties, the two agencies, which agency does America trust more, CIA or FBI? <laughs> I'm curious. Who's trusted more? Do, do you guys know these stats or no? Are you familiar? Like if, if, if I were to ask you, mm-hmm. if I were to ask, so you're not a part of it at all before they say anything. Do you trust the CIA more? Do you trust the FBI more? Folks, if you're listening as well, I'm mm. curious. Comment below. Do you trust the FBI more or the CIA more? What would you say? Uh just on the sheer fact that you've heard the CIA might have been responsible for the Kennedy assassination, just because of that, I would lean towards the FBI. But I think they both these days have a damaged reputation. Well, what is that? Public uh, holds uh, positive views across 10 federal agencies, departments. Number one is what? Postal Service. Favorable? Seriously? Have they been to the post office? <laughs> CDC. This is positive or unfavorable? Positive 78%. Th- now, this is 2018. Okay, well, well, this is 2018. Yeah. Well, then, if you look at this, FBI and CIA is pretty much around the same thing. Okay, it, I, I'd love to see what this is in 2022, because America, the world has changed in four years. This uh, is I, not I think the same what, world. I actually think what you would find is that the public has a distrust of all political institutions, both parties, Congress, the FBI, the CIA, the media. That's a fairly new development. 
I think that there is a fundamental distrust of all of our institutions uh, by the American people. Do you have some thoughts on this? Yeah, I do. I really do. That, you know, that is the reason why I wrote Black Ops, because I got so tired of my agency being maligned in Hollywood. We're not Jason Bourne. We're not American-made. Um, th those things, uh, assassinating Kennedy, uh, you know, th these are, you know, rumors and stuff that goes out there, part of the political game. Um, you know, the agency is put together by literally from all the classes. We, re we uh, recruit a lot from the military because former military is, has a lot more diversity. Um, they have languages. Remember, we, the, United, uh, the CIA, we do not operate in the United States. We're not allowed to operate in the United States. Um, so all, all our work is, is done overseas. So for that, you need people that can fit in in different geographical areas without causing attention because everything that we do is black ops under the shadow of darkness or that we cannot afford for our mission to be compromised. Rick, you, you made a comment earlier. You said, I, I'm uncomfortable with folks who are not from CIA or FBI to be directors of the CIA or the FBI. And if you've never sat there and negotiated with a terrorist, you, you, you don't know what it's like to sit there and negotiate with a terrorist. You, you, that statement means that you have. You've sat there and negotiated with terrorists. Yes, I have. Are, are you able to name some of the folks you've sat down with and have negotiations with? No. Uh, I can tell you that I did recruit in a— No one's watching this, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> this would like yeah, I know you have such a yeah. short following No here, one's right? watching this content, <laughs> but you were saying. No, the, um, the, I, I did recruit a, a terrorist in a uh, Latin American country, which I wasn't allowed to say in the book. Um, but he was a, a member of a Maoist insurgency. Okay. And I literally recruited this guy under coercion. Um, I had a police officer friend. We, we busted him. I, was, I had that you know, alias uh, documentation with me. And um, you know, the, the guy decided to cooperate because we made him an offer they couldn't refuse. You know, he would be in, in, in jail for the rest of his life. And I ran this guy for a good year, and he gave us some incredible information. Um, so, yeah, I have done that. And, and my point is, the FBI should be led by a senior FBI individual that understands those laws, that understands the culture, uh, and understands the trials that, that our officers uh, you know, go through. Interesting. Uh, well, you know, I never forget my dad pulled me aside eight years ago, seven years ago, something like that. Uh, we have some people in our family who have done some work, you know, from Iran. So Iran had Savak and different kind of things that they were yep. dealing with back in the days. He sits me down and says, uh, he winks at me, he says, you can tell me. I said, I can tell you what, Dad. He says, you can tell me. It's okay, it's just you and I. I said, <laughs> Dad, what do you want me to tell you? He says, I know you're with the CIA. Just wink. Just say one thing. But I know you are. I said, Dad, I'm just an insurance guy. He says, no, you're not. I don't believe you. <laughs> yeah, we all saw true lies, buddy. Yeah, we all yeah, saw that's Schwarzenegger right. true lies. <laughs> How do you think if the uh, current director of the CIA, I believe his name is William Burns, how do you think he's doing? You know, he, he has a good reputation as an ambassador, uh, and he's always had a very cordial and supportive um, posture overseas when dealing with our chiefs of stations. Mm -hmm. That's his reputation. It's a guy that appreciates the CIA. But, you know, if, if you're going for eye surgery, you don't go to a knee doctor. And that's my point. The, you know, you've got to have somebody that has been there even mm -hmm. half a degree to understand what our job is all about. Roger, when's the last time you sat this close to someone affiliated with the CIA? 
It's hard to say. They might be. They might be shadowing me. I, I, I've no. I've You're no, sitting I've next no, to two I, potential CIA informants oh right my now. God, far from, far from. <laughs> yeah, okay, so yeah, I was kidding. It was a joke. So, so let me let me go through the story of Bill Maher. Said I want to get your commentary, your thoughts on this. So, Bill Maher claims Trump could win so easy because of drag queens. But he can't let go of the election. This is a uh, mediate uh, story. Comic and pundit Bill Maher claimed that the former President Trump could win easily because of drag queens, but can't, can't let go of elections. On Friday night edition of HBO's Real Time with Bill Maher, the host uh, uh, took a table bit about future headlines that included libraries in Texas to offer impotent gun uh, nut story hour to banter with guests Andrew Sullivan and Katie Herzog about what a drag culture issues like a drag queen story hour are on Democrats. Mar explained that poor Trump could easily win if he could let go of the 2020 because of the drag queens. Do you agree with him? Well, I'm a little upset with Bill, first of all, uh, because he had me on, maligned me as a Russian spy. Now he himself admits there was no Russian collusion, but he won't have me back on. You know why? I'm way funnier than he is. Way funnier. You think you're funnier than Bill Maher? No, no. When you, Easy, ooh, Roger well, No, no. When you go to Bill Maher's show, they take you in your dressing room, uh, and his producer comes to you and says, well, great to have you. Please give me one favor. Don't try to be funnier than Bill. I said, Bill's got an entire you know group of writers <laughs> who are cranking out of stuff. Yeah. I'm all by myself. They ask you to do that. Oh, really? yeah, absolutely. No, look, I, I've been on Bill's show several times. Yeah. Uh, and it's always lively and he's entertaining. Mm-hmm. It's not the drag queens are the reason Trump can win. It's gas prices, food shortages, inflation, absolutely. leaving several billion dollars worth of equipment in Afghanistan, shipping $40 billion off to Ukraine when we can't spend the money to uh, seal our own border. Those are the reasons that he can win. The The 2020 election is kind of tricky. It would be false to say that people are not concerned about it. That doesn't mean it's going to get undone or redone. or uh, That's not realistic. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but voter integrity, the integrity of the rolls, that's a legitimate issue. Uh, and I don't think Trump can stop talking about it in that sense. You think he should? Uh, in, in terms of the fact that our next election needs to be honest, fair, and transparent, yes, absolutely. No, no. Do you think he should stop bringing up that there was fraud in the last election? Do you think uh, he, needs, he needs to just it, move on and focus on today's it, issue? It's the precursor to insisting that there be no fraud in the next election. So yeah. I don't think I don't think it should be the raison and d'etre to his candidacy because mm-hmm. politics is not is never about the past. It's always about the future. Let me ask you a question on Bill Maher because I watch his show religiously, or mm-hmm. you know, you might say religiously, or whatever his uh, <laughs> you know thing is. But when you sit down with him, you're not on the panel typically. Or the last time I saw you, did the one-on-one, yes, the yes. sort of like the pregame yes. up to the show, yes, and it's really almost like. I don't want to say an interrogation, but he's he's coming right at you. And, yeah. and whatever your talking points are, he's going to dismiss them and right. get to his point. Right. So sitting down with Bill Maher, you must have seen how he's sort of... He, what does he famously say these days, uh, Pat? I haven't changed. The Democratic Party has changed. They've moved a little bit far left. Uh, what have you seen him... Uh, update his opinions what what what's your take on bill maher these days because a lot of people are basically saying hey you know what this bill maher never really agreed with him it's kind of making sense these days are you are you starting to see more of that uh, on some issues i think he's been very consistent and i agree with him so for example he's always been a critic of radical muslim he's always been critical of islamic terrorism he's always been pro cannabis legalization position i've held for 30 yeah, well, years he smokes as, joints on the regular as, as a as a libertarian um, I do think that he has come around on the hypocrisy of the American left. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, a lot of my conservative friends are like have a new appreciation for Bill Maher. Do you? 
Uh, yeah, I do. I think he's been. I think he's being honest. Mm-hmm. Well, why won't he have you back on? Uh, because he doesn't want to get bested again. Oh, you think so? <laughs> Anytime, buddy. I think Bill Maher can handle you, though. A- Anytime. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that, Bill Maher? Roger Stone on the PBD podcast on Valuetainment is calling you out. He wants to see you again soon. By the way, uh, on top of that, more than a million voters have uh, switched to Republican Party in the last twenty-four in the last twelve months. Uh, and that's a big number, including tens of thousands of swing bo- voters and uh, some declaring they can no longer support the Democratic Party policies, according to a report Monday. The move to the GOP is occurring in every part of the country, in Democratic and Republican states and cities, since President Biden defeated former President Trump. An analysis of voter registration data by Associated Press found over the past year, about two-thirds of 1.7 million voters who changed party affiliation shifted to the Republican Party. And overall, more than 1 million people become Republicans compared to 630,000 who became Democrats. Why do you think that is? Uh, the, uh, as I think it was James Carville said, it's the economy, stupid. I mean, yeah, it's gas. <laughs> you think price. it's that simple? Yes, I, okay. I, re- I really do. You had a boom economy. You had the most robust economy in our history under Trump. You had uh, record job growth, record wage growth. Billions of dollars coming back in the country to be invested here. Uh, you had an optimism in the country. People's businesses at the small business level doing extraordinarily well. Uh, now you have apprehension about gas prices, about food shortages, rampant inflation. I mean, I went to Publix the other day and I bought a steak. <laughs> steak cost me seven and a half bucks. It was four bites. It was the smallest steak I've ever <laughs> seen in my entire life. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that, that that has a lot to do with it. I think that there are... There's no question that there are buyer's remorse, substantial number of people who voted for Biden because they didn't like Trump's style. Oh, he's so crude. His tweets are so crude. Yeah, but how's 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 your business? Oh, my business is doing great. So uh, I think that's this is the manifestation of that. You think people are starting to realize that and process it where they're saying, "Okay, listen, I can't publicly say this. But I, I kind of wish the other guy was president right now, you know, minus the stuff that he was doing on Twitter. I'm willing to tolerate him more than I'm willing to tolerate Joe. Or are people saying there's no way in the world I could support somebody like him? Uh, they're both at this point extremely polarizing figures. Uh, but I do think that there is a, there is certain some nostalgia for Trump's economy. That That is for sure. What would you say Biden has done right? Has Biden gotten anything right since he, he became president? Hmm. Can't think of anything. What about the new gun laws that have been passed? What about the um, uh, infrastructure bill? None of that? I think the infrastructure bill, is first of all, has nothing to do with infrastructure. It has to do with spending. It's one of the reasons why we have the inflation we have today. Uh, I think red flag laws are unconstitutional. It's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. You want to weigh in on this, Rick? A little bit. I, I, I First of all, I totally agree with you. I think the American people vote uh, sometimes for charisma. But at the end of the day, you're going to vote with your wallet. Mm-hmm. Uh, the average American cannot make ends meet anymore. Whether they were Democrat or Republican before, uh, this is something that, you know, our, our survival is our family. And, and how do you take care of your family if gas is $5 a gallon? So for, for, that, for that part, I, I totally agree with you. On, on, the, on the gun stuff, um, th- that is such a political football. Uh, and it shouldn't be. Because you got to look at the, the real facts. Every city that has the highest crime rate in the United States also has the strongest anti-gun laws. Mm-hmm. Then you go to places like Wyoming, Montana, even Florida in some, in some areas, and crime is down because people can defend themselves. 
you know that 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 combination uh and you you were talking about uh, uh, biden doing something right let me tell you something that i think that it, it is almost borders on the ridiculous you go from saying that crime is rampant you're allowing crime to be go rampant you're not persecuting criminals you're releasing them it's, it's, it's a catch and release like in fishing um and how do, how do you how does that make sense to anybody defund the police so you're telling me that you who do not like guns and are not willing or able to take care of yourself who are you going to rely on the police and you're voting for to defund your safety net that's like buying a parachute on ebay what about you, Pat? Is there anything that you can find uh, compelling with Biden these days? I know you've been pretty vocal. You're not exactly a Biden guy, but you 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 do have the ability to reason. You're not like set in your uh, views, but so you I, can, you can, I, you can I'll, give an unbiased opinion. So let me tell you how. And this this is going to sound like this, but it's not. The less I see the president, the more excited I am. <laughs> I don't want to see the president because to me, it's like stay away go to show up and lead mm-hmm. don't get up and complain so the benefit of him not being comfortable on stage speaking is a good thing because we don't hear him often so he's not out there talking all the time uh which is a good thing because when he does talk america doesn't look good when he talks would you be comfortable if you found out that maybe susan rice or barack obama are kind of pulling the strings behind the scenes would you be comfortable with that so, so you're asking policies? If you're asking policies, mm-hmm. I don't support his policies. I don't support what policies he's got in place because I don't think his policies are advancing people. By the way, a million votes to f- voters to flip? Flip from what? That means Democrats became Republicans? What are we talking about here? I mean, that's not a small number, by the way. Well, and Pat, if you think about that, break down that yeah. number. That's just a broad number. Where are they coming from? They're coming from the Latino community and the black community. They are. And the Joe Biden is losing black support. He is yeah. losing Latino support. The base of the Democratic Party is flipping. They they are going to lose everything this if they is, keep this, this up. This is right. This is the greatest uh, significant realignment for the first time in the country ever. Hispanics say they split down the middle, Republican Democrat. That's never happened before. Uh, and uh, the reality is that under Trump, you had the highest rate of job growth and wage growth among African Americans, the lowest unemployment rates, and you had criminal justice reform, the First Step Act, the Second Chance Act, so things that the Democrats had talked about but never enacted. Look, look the, 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 the people I know the, who are Hispanic or African American, the parents of the people I knew when I was in the military, they were all conservative. All of them were like, hey, son, are you reading the Bible? Are you doing this? Are you staying this? Are you staying that? They were very much conservatives who were expecting you to be a good man and not break the law and not do this stuff. Same with Hispanics. Uh, But some of them have been sold a bag of goods that's not working. You know what I like? You know what I do like on what's going on is on the Roe v. uh, Wade topic, which we'll get into here in a minute, is where people – on the left got upset with Kamala Harris to say, this is why you need to vote for us and this is why elections matter. And they said, wait a minute, you can do anything you want to do right now. You're not. So we voted for you to get things done and nothing's getting done. So no, elections don't matter. You keep telling us to give more money. A Democrat was out there. Uh, This was a video that went viral. I don't know if you saw this or not. She says, I'm out here protesting about Roe v. Wade and this happened under the watch of a Democratic president who I voted for 
And five minutes before I came out here protesting, I got an email from Joe Biden and Kamala Harris telling me to give 15 bucks. I've been given $15, but you're not doing anything with my money. How much more money should I give you? So when your own party turns against you, you got a big problem here. And a million is a big number. So if you're asking me that question, mm-hmm. that's well, a big number we're talking about. Well, to address about. that, whatever that person is, yeah. they probably just don't understand how the Supreme Court works because Trump put in, what, three justices during his tenure? Which is, uh, so no one's ever done it's that not before. Like, it's not like Biden no, or Kamala have any control over the Supreme Court. You're right, but what, what, what uh, okay, so go, go with that. Go with mm-hmm. that. What did Biden promise to his voters? Are you talking about packing the court? No, no, no. Go, go. What did Biden? So people who voted for Trump, okay. Mm-hmm. What did Trump promise to people that he did? What did Trump promise? What it? What was Trump's promise to his voters that he said, "If you elect me, I'm going to do X, Y, Z." What He's was going to make America great again? He's going to lock her specific. up. He's going to build the wall. It's good. So, a lot, so a lot of three word phrases. So gonna, he, Stone probably help create. He, he's going to revive the economy. He's going to rebuild our military. He's going to appoint conservatives to the judiciary. Correct. Uh, he's going to he's going to negotiate better trade deals. Everything and, he, and he said, did those things. he did those things. What did Biden say? I'm going to raise taxes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna. He hasn't raised he's taxes. He's gonna build back better. He's gonna be. He hasn't he's built back better. The, he's gonna re-enter the Paris uh, Accords. He did that. Okay. So you got one on his party. So I'm just. I'm just thinking of whatever. I get that. But let me. He t- wanted to increase um, multilateralism. You know, re-engage with NATO. Obviously, Trump wasn't a big fan of NATO making them pay. Yeah. Clearly, things with NATO seem to be doing a little bit better these days, especially with the war in Ukraine. I mean, at least. The G7 is on the same page, it seems, against Russia. What else? Okay, so what? Wait, you're, you got a party. Another person's got a party. Mm-hmm. You vote for your guy. It's percentage, right? Mm-hmm. If your policies, you say 10 things you're going to be doing. If 80% of them you do, then the other party elects a guy. And out of 10 things he said he's going to do, he does three of them. Mm-hmm. That's a free throw percentage, 80% wins. Yeah. Trump did more of what he said he was going to do then Biden did what he said he was going to I do. I agree with you. And if and if we take mm-hmm. COVID out, your president today is Trump. By the way, you're not yeah. wrong. Yeah. I agree with you. Here's so. here's the problem, and I've said this a million times, and, and Roger Stone maybe want to weigh in on this. Trump didn't lose the election because of bad policies. No. It was because of his bad personality. And America was over it, straight up. We can We can kind of tap dance around his personality all we want, but what makes him charismatic to some makes him unappealing to others, not his policies. You could go down the list, boom, 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 boom. And if you if you ask most Americans about policies, but by the way, most Americans could not elaborate on most policies. Like you said, James Carville, the Rage let, let, let me push you. Let me push you. The economy. Let me challenge you on that yeah. real quick. Okay, so this is the one. So we're having dinner two nights ago with a, a guy, Hart. You know who he is, Hart and his wife. Mm-hmm. And we're having dinner with Gaines. And uh, Andrew and Jennifer, and I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm bringing up issues to them. I'm like, so, so let me ask you a question. With such and such thing that Clarence Thomas wants to do, how do you feel about it? How do you feel about uh, transgender? How do you feel about this? How do you feel about that? Well, you know, to each his own and all this other stuff. And I said, really? Yeah. I said, okay, cool. I said, at what point did you form this opinion of to each his own? I don't know. I said, 20 years ago, would you have said to each his own? Uh, well, yeah. No, I don't know. I said, look, look here's what happens. Do not let the majority of people, the minority of people who are allowed to convince you they're the majority. So here's what happened. The minority of people who are complainers, 
they're, they're like this. They come and fight you in the street, and they go like this. You want to fight? Let me tell you who I got. I got 200 people back there around the building. If you want to fight, I'm going to come and kick your ass, and they're going to come and whoop mm-hmm. your ass. And like, oh, shit, they got 200 people back there. So what do you do? You're like, dude, I don't want to fight these guys. And then you go home, right? And you go around the corner. They got nobody. They convinced the world they had 200 people around the corner ready to fight for them. So because they're louder complainers, they have convinced even Fox News to do a special on transgender, calling that family what an honorable thing to do. What a brave family here. People are falling for all of these things to say, well, if everybody else says it's okay, maybe I should say it as well. Where the hell is your backbone? Or maybe you disagree. And if you disagree, people may sit there and say, I, I can't believe you said this. I can't. No problem. Go for it. You can come at me. I'm totally okay with that. But this is my position. I'm uncomfortable with it. Good for you with agreeing with the crowd. I'm not agreeing with the crowd. So if we do go back mm-hmm. and we ask the question of many people didn't feel comfortable with Trump, okay? Many people didn't feel comfortable with DeSantis. Is it true many people didn't? Or is it the fact that the people who said many people didn't are the loudest complainers and we believe that there are many people, but there's only a few? That's the question. And I think people are starting to realize that when you see a million people flipping, maybe there were not many people. Yeah, but you're not going to see 81 million people flipping. So are you basically saying But you don't you're, need you're 81 making, million people. We correct. don't need 81 you need, million you need people. You need 1 million. That's the point. The that's the point. Totally yeah, with that's you. the point. So but, but you're making the case that transgenderism, which less than 1% of America would even identify point as 0.1%. Even, exactly. Might even, I don't even know a transgender person. You're not making the comparison that... 50% of America who's turned off by Trump, you know, doesn't really feel that way. Is that what you're saying? Or no, you're saying pe- that people, you're saying people were convinced that they didn't like him? Let me, let me, let yeah. me. So, so one of my guys asked a question. He says, so Pat, uh, oh, what, so this guy's running a real estate office and I'm consulting for him. He says, Pat, I have two guys in my office that are trans. I said, okay. And how do I handle it? I said, what do you mean? How do you handle it? I'm in the state of California. How do I handle it? I said, what's your point? He says, they're making other people feel uncomfortable. And I have a couple people who quit who are my top producers. And I'm worried if I say something, <coughs> they could go and say something to the city. <coughs> and then I may get, and then I'm dealing with HR. How do I handle this, right? Okay. So how do you handle that situation? How does an operator handle that situation? Does the operator go and say, hey, man, listen, this is too uncomfortable for us. You're making people around you uncomfortable. You got to leave. Well, what are they doing that's making them uncomfortable? Just being there is uncomfortable. Just okay. being there is uncomfortable because yeah. people are coming. We live by why are you? Why do you have clothes on? Why do I have clothes on? Why does he have a nice? Why do we? Why? Because mm-hmm. we live by what? First impression, right? I walk into an office and my first impression is, oh, okay, huh, interesting. What's going on? So, people sit now. You may say, Pat, what's the big deal with that? It doesn't matter what's a big deal or not. We judge. But here's the point. Many people in America today are walking on eggshells. Mm-hmm. People are afraid to say what they really feel because they may get in trouble for that. And people are getting sick of that. I agree they're, with they're that. Getting, the fact that yesterday Johnny Depp's story, whether it's a true story or not, Disney may offer the guy $301 million to get him to play, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Jack, Sparrow. Jack, Sparrow, Jack Sparrow, Pirates yeah. of the Caribbean. If they give this guy $301 million, guess what? If he wins, guess who won? Man's man won. Men won. It, it, this whole thing of trying to uh, pansify all men to become softer and sissies. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that a Johnny Depp stood up. Now, if he didn't stand up, for the rest of us, our careers, we would have thought maybe he was a dirtbag on what he did to Amber Heard. And we're saying, ah, you know what? what well, it, the it, article on valuetainment. Yeah. We wrote a great article on that. $301 million. Yeah. Now, I hope it's a true story. I don't know if it is but or not. Can I, maybe, and then this is, might be the perfect segue to Roger Stone. I don't know if men won. 
I think maybe uh, being innocent until proven guilty one. I think, you know, anti-cancel culture one. I think stop judging, uh, pre-judging anything before you the facts come out one. Um, Everyone basically, you know, did you see what what Disney, we can go on value 10, but Disney basically gave an an apology. Like we basically came down down on bended knee and said, our bad, mea culpa over here. Because they, much like the Cantro culture warriors out there, were quick to dismiss him. And now do you know the reason that they're offering him $301 million? It's because he said, I would never play this again, even if they paid me $300 million. Well, you know, here's a little $301 million there for you, buddy. Um, but, I mean, maybe you want to weigh in on what, no, what I, it feels I, like I, for, I, to do that. I think I agree with your analysis. Uh, uh, you know, uh, first of all, it was epically entertaining. <laughs> so you had to every night go see what was the latest in the truth. Yeah. Um, but I think truth won. I think he, he acquitted himself well by presenting his side of the case and doing it compellingly. Uh, there was, a, I think, a preconceived judgment for her in the beginning. What mm-hmm. a horrible, toxic male he was. What an abusive individual he was. Uh, I was glad to see the way it came out it did. But, Roger, you should believe all women, period. <laughs> yeah, right. Why don't you? Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> but but what, what would you, so you're being sarcastic? No, well I'm, but, I'm but, not being sarcastic. But, but, but you're being sarcastic, and you're saying this has nothing to do with men. Of course, course it has something to do with men, but, but there's but it's more than I, men. Of it's, course, it's the truth. I, I said yesterday, I'm mm-hmm. glad we're transitioning away from guilty until proven innocent instead of innocent until proven guilty. I get that, mm-hmm. but the fact that you threw that sarcastic comment at the end means men get destroyed when it comes onto this topic, and it's good to see men like him stand up. If you screwed up, you deserved it, you know, whatever you're getting. If you didn't stand up, boom, we're seeing progress. So America's simply getting sick of it. The more and more politics is getting involved, they're just getting sick of it saying, listen, let me be able to give my opinion without getting destroyed my career just because I disagree with you, which is good to see that. But we'll go into that, Clarence Thomas, well, what happened with that coach? I made a couple mm-hmm. of comments. We'll go into that. Uh, but, okay, last one I want to read because you brought up guns. I was going to read this before we get into it. So... Uh, Congress passes most significant gun reform bill in decades, sends it to Biden, CNBC story, scrambling to respond to a recent uh, spate, uh, 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 spat of uh, bloody gun massacres. U.S. lawmakers passed the most significant federal gun restrictions in decades on Friday following years of false starts and failures to tighten gun laws. Following Senate passage late Thursday, the House passed a bipartisan bill that takes steps to restrict gun access to younger buyers, domestic violence offenders, and others who could pose a risk to their communities, the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, also was uh, would fund the school safety and mental health programs. The House approved it by 243 to 193, and 193 as 14 Republicans joined all Democrats. The legislation says to President Biden, who's expected to quickly sign it into law. Is this progress? I, I think that the, uh, the, the passing of these laws attacking not the problem, but the popularity of the shock of this thing. You have securing schools. That's a no-brainer. We should have been doing that for the last 20 years. My daughter's a school teacher. I have done the security survey pro bono for every school that she ever worked or led. Um, and, and they're buttoned down, and you have police officers. Um, it's, it's just we're fighting a political battle where it should be a moral battle, in my, in my opinion. We have the right to defend ourselves. I believe that investing in mental health, I think that that's a very important one. What does that mean, though? So that, well, that word, it, investing in mental health, unpack we, that. We, ha- we have to uh, keep, it's the uh, see something, say something concept. 
translated into this. Uh, I don't remember where the place was, but be, the uh, the second to last uh, uh, incident that we had, the the um, the perpetrator he went to school for a whole week wearing a hazmat suit. Does, I mean, is that a normal behavior, or is that you should you not look into a pattern of behavior? It's a thin line because you also have what you just said, which I totally agree with. You're innocent until proven guilty. Um, so, what do you think, Roger? I'm afraid that that uh, as he said earlier, I'm not sure any of those things are going to change anything. Criminals will always find guns. Absolutely. And it is the cities with the most restrictive gun policies in the country where gun violence uh, is is the greatest. In the case of the Parkland shooter, there were no less than seven calls to this guy's house. That never seemed to get over to the FBI. Uh, He had been Baker acted. He'd been taken uh, involuntarily. They gave him psychotropic drugs and they put him back out on the street and, and he killed people. So uh, I agree with you said. I think there has to be a greater emphasis on mental health. Guns don't kill people. People kill people. Criminals, miscreants, will always get their hands on guns. Mm-hmm. What does Sadly. Francais always say about uh, gangsters and, and uh, mafioso types? What just happened in the audio? Yeah, exactly what he just said, the fact that they'll, they'll get their hands on mm-hmm. guns. But, 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 you know, like the left and the right has bullet points of three things that everybody says and everybody keeps saying it. Invest into mental health, okay? I've heard a billion people say invest into mental health. You know, do this, do that. The other day we were talking with Michael Francis and we said even if they raise the, uh, what do you call it? Age limit to 18 to 21? Even if they make this, even if they do that, even if they do this, 90% of the, what do you call it, uh, uh, mass shootings would have been prevented. Even if they do that, it would have been prevented. Because they still got some of them, their guns, they got it illegally. Or some of them, they got it. Even the kid who got it, he wasn't on any kind of medication that's uh, anxiety medication or anything like that. So how much of that is, you know, deeper that's going on within America's values and principles and morals? How much of that is the amount of drugs that's in the hands of kids with big pharma advertising the solution being take this medicine, take this medicine, take this medicine? How much of it is the video games? How much of it is us watching on TV that over and over and over again, they keep turning these guys that are doing mass shootings into heroes and we keep talking about them? Uh, There has to be something because even this strategy on what they're going to be doing, 90-something percent of them would have been prevented. So does anybody really know the solution or is it just pure political game that both sides are playing? What do you think? Uh, There's no question that um, had the police officers either in Texas or in Parkland, done their jobs, uh, that those mass shootings could have been prevented. Ironically, here in Parkland, the officer in charge of school security trained others in crisis management, uh, but then when the time came, he stepped down. He didn't do his job. So how do you, so, so, so think about that. So he did the training, and when it came down to it, still didn't do it. He, so, fro- he froze. He froze. So, so again, so then what is the solution? Because uh, if we say we need more training, okay, we did. And even the training that was done, it still didn't happen. So does anybody really have the solution that's going to help address it, this? It's a combina- it has to be a combination of things. Uh, buttoning down the schools is something that it's a reality. Uh, you cannot, in good conscience, bring children and put them into that, that environment unless you're able to protect them. Um, 
But one thing that we haven't talked about here is how many pe- uh, how many police officers feel empowered under this administration, under this current culture, where they're being defunded. It, you know, you're they're always guilty until proven innocent, if if at all possible. Uh, don't get me wrong; I've been in harm's way more than once, so I know what it is to go to a door and go. <clears throat> but I've gone through the door, and that was their job to do. Uh, but again. There's not a 100% fix for any of this. It's 5% here, mm-hmm. 5% mental health, button down the schools, better training for the police, but also consequences. There's got to be consequences. These police officers that did not go in there should be kicked out of the force. Because if you are in an airborne unit in the military and you decide not to jump on a combat, guess what? You're going to jail. So it, 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 the, the, we need to you know, make, make them accountable for, for that mistake. You, you know what I would love? Here's what I would love. If, if an if a actuary, if a BI is listening to this, if a business analyst is listening to this, if a guy that studied stati- statistics can listen to this, take time and make this video. This video can actually happen. Take all the mass shootings of the last 5, 10 years, okay? Create the profile of everybody uh, that did the mass shooting. Put their age, how they got their weapon, if they were on medication, their background. Put it all at the top and filter it out. And then take the new policies and changes that's coming up and then red out the ones that could have been prevented and green out that the ones that would have happened no matter what, right? And kind of go through it. And break down in a video what that percentage comes down to. Because I think the way they're going, they're just playing politics. And the American people are like, oh, awesome, we passed something. Yeah, it really didn't do anything. No, no, but we did pass something. No, really didn't do anything. I think we need data, and we need somebody to analyze this like a statistician. Somebody needs to do that. Then we can say, kind of like where I'm going with this is Moneyball. You know how in Moneyball where the guy comes out and he says, look, the only stat that matters is what? On-base percentage. Mm-hmm. You don't win with home runs. You don't win with, you win with on-base percentage. This is the guy that we need to bring. Okay, great. Then we bring him in. Then they open And you interviewed that guy multiple times. Multiple times. I love that guy. So I think a Moneyball concept mm-hmm. needs to be applied to this for us to figure out what stat matters the most. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're doing that. That's what I don't think we're doing. I think we're just kind of all talking and. But I, the, you I know. would add. I'm sorry. I would add one extra take on there. What's that? And you touched on it, Roger, a little earlier on. Make a study of how many of the criminal acts with a weapon, that weapon was a legally obtained weapon and in the hands of a legal carry uh, individual. That's a huge statistic. When people quote gun violence, you have to at least be able to focus on where is the base of that violence. And it is the criminal world. And they don't have prosecution. The police can't, can't barely do the job as it is. Um, it, it is, that would be, a, I yeah. would love to add that to your, your tick of things. I mean, I mean, I get it that we have a campaign, you know, where the campaign, the manager may say, listen, when it comes down to gun violence, here's the three points that you have to hit. Boom, boom, boom. That's what you got to go. And then just know these 22 statistics, see which one of these you can remember and recite, but that's where you got to go. But that's marketing. That's not, we're not mm-hmm. really, it's not really a solution. We're just marketing and saying, hey, if they ask you to say that, I'd love to have somebody comes out and actually breaks this down and say, right. here's what it would have changed and not changed. I don't well, know. Well, you're going to have that opportunity. We've now passed these laws. There'll be an election in two years. Let's watch the violent crime statistics for those two years and see if they really change anything. Well, no, there's going to be an election in five months well, right? i understand that's probably not in all fairness and not enough time mm-hmm. so let these policies be in place they're going to be in place because yeah. i don't see them being repealed yeah. 
uh, and you'll know in two years whether they've made a meaningful change. What needs to happen almost immediately is uh, ref bail reform, because right now we have a situation in almost every major city in the country which they've done away with bail, uh, and criminals, recidivist criminals, are right back out on the street, many of them to hurt people again, mm -hmm. particularly New York City. New York City. So uh, th there's, uh, I think, something that has to be reformed almost immediately. So, so you know what I also would want to know? Out of all these guys that did a mass shooting, what percentage is alive? What percentage is on the street? What percentage is, say, is serving a life sentence? How bad was the, what do you call it, the, the price that they paid for it? Is it purely all about a, uh, 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 what do you call a celebrity, you know, the 15 uh, minutes, of, uh, fame. minutes of fame? Is that really what it was all about? Has somebody taken all of these guys and gone and done a document documentary to interview every one of these guys to come out with an analysis to say, this is the similarity we noticed. Whose job whatever. is that? Like, is that listen, FBI? Is that CIA? I, no, no, I don't think they're going to. So even to pull up to see out of all these mass shooting guys, that how many of them were from a single parent? How many of them had a father? I want all of those statistics to mm -hmm. see what commonality do we see. You can pull up that data. Then we say, listen, these three that you guys keep talking about would only say 5%. But these two would have eliminated 42%. Let's address these two. We're not. We're just winging it. It's just like, is yeah. Is this something uh, just you think a... a, a public company or a, a, I, you know, I, a government agency would do or a I private was, if company? If I was a governor, if I was a governor of a state or if I was a president, I would go hire 10 engineers okay, from Silicon Valley mm -hmm. and I would bring them from Silicon Valley from the best places in the world. Okay, And I would bring them that politically, I would interview them to make sure they're kind of like, you know, how you're a jury, you hire a jury and you make mm -hmm. sure how they feel politically. They're not linked or anyway, they don't have an opinion about the guy. I would bring in, okay, you guys are neutral, perfect. Here's $300,000 per year. What's 10 times $300,000? Nothing. Chump change. Mm -hmm. I want you to pull up every data, every stat, every everything you can, and give us the exact reason why this is taking place. If, if, if the stats are out there, you can pull it up from the FBI. We can find that exactly. This is not going to cost that much money to do. It's $3 million, maybe a $10 million project. Hire the best analyst guys, data guys, put them in a room, pull up all the data, Within 30, 60, 90 days, we can figure this thing out. But here's the problem with the data. So the other day, you said, we, we used this story, there were 220... What does that sound, by the way? I keep hearing a sound like... Go oh, ahead. I don't yeah, hear. Sorry. Ahead. So there were 226 mass shootings in the United States through whatever it was, six months. Uh, do you know what qualifies as a mass shooting? Hmm. It's four people. If over four people were shot, not killed, were shot, that qualifies as a mass shooting. Where do you think the majority of that comes from? Gang violence. The majority of mass shootings in the United States aren't kids going and shooting up schools. It's not. I mean, it's 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 gang violence one, and most of the again we 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 cover this. Most of the mass shootings happen with a pistol, not an assault rifle or a rifle or anything. By the like way, that. all of that is part of the data. Yes, yeah. but I think the data can be skewed. But two, it's it's people don't want to address. First of all, mass shootings as they stand where it's gang violence as opposed to mass shootings of like you say mentally deranged people walking in shooting people and those kinds of things so again i think when we say use the data again we have to clarify what data are we but, using but, but tyler that's also in the insurance industry actuaries actually do that as well they break down by age where you realize you know, when we get table D rating on most of the people that are table D are 55 and up or live in this place and a lot of them are from this. You can track nationality. You can yeah. track sex. You can track married. You can track the, you can track any of that stuff. But with what you just said, I would add that to the data as well. Yeah. I would add, and I would say the mass shooting, you know what we would put on the mass shooting? 
How many people were involved? This one's four. Well, 42% of them are only four. Okay, let's put that in this category by itself. 10% is 10 or more. Let's put that in the category by itself. I don't mm. think this is that complicated. I don't know if they want to find the answer. <laughs> I don't know if they're... Cause, well, no, because they want to manipulate it. They want to tell you that there's been 226 Dude, it's going to take 10 million... You just give 40 billion to Ukraine. It would take you right. 10 million bucks to figure this thing out. Put people in a room, get it funded within a three-month period. You get some answers. Mm-hmm. But we haven't done that. I don't know why we haven't done that. Well, let me add on to what Tyler's saying, because you do bring up a good point. If you saw on the headlines... Four people shot in the streets of Chicago. You're like, all right, cool, next story, move on with life. We're so desensitized to these types of stories. Where America is at, where most Americans are yearning, are when we see dead six-year-olds. Innocent dead six-year-olds in a classroom. There's, I don't care if you're on the left, you're on the right, we are disgusted by this. And that's what is grabbing the headlines, and that's what... Why literally Congress finally effing did something, and I think it's about time, whether it's optics, whether it's the sizzle or the steak, remains to be seen. Like Roger said, we'll find out in two years if they've done anything, but we're fucking sick of it. We're sick of dead kids in classrooms. We're not sick of what Tyler's basically talking about, which is probably 90 plus percent of the mass murderers is just... Five people got shot on, um, it's going to happen on July 4th weekend. You can book it down right now across America. Someone in St. Louis shot five people, whatever. Next story, keep it moving. We are sick of the classroom shit, though. My my point on this, by the way, um, people have to take emotions out of these kind of decisions. That's why I like your your document Mm -hmm. and dissect. Because if you look at, forget the four people that get shot in New York or whatever, that, that doesn't count. But schools mass shootings in the last five years, give me those numbers. That happens in New York in three months. Actually, it probably happens in New York in two weeks. You're saying just in the streets, whatever. Just in the streets. Just in the streets. So, you know, we cannot focus on the problem emotionally. Mm -hmm. Yes, I personally, you know, I cannot. If, If I was in that school, I would have had to go in. I couldn't live with myself. I could not live with myself if I didn't go in there and try to help them out. But that is still a minority, and it is, it is very serious, and use that tipping point to make things make sense. And I, I think that approach of statistics, not skewed to, t- to statistics, mm-hmm. uh, I think would help create a real plan that they can implement. I run one too many companies to do this. I would have taken, I would have done this myself as a project just to turn it into a documentary. To a 60, even a 70 minute, 75 minute documentary just to go out there and say, let me tell you how, what uh, approach we took this. Here's the problem. Here's the approach we took. We wanted to find out what's going on. This is the data we came up with. Okay. And we brought five people from the left, five people from the right, five people in the middle. They all have strong opinions. We all want to find out. We're all open to finding out what's going on, what the solution is. Here's what we're proposing to the world. I would take that approach. Anyways, I, I hope somebody does it because I think it's that important of an issue that we need to invest that money into doing this. If I have to choose between spending $40 billion into Ukraine and $40 billion into finding out why this is happening in our schools in America, what do you think we're doing with that $40 billion? It's, it's a lot better $40 billion spent into finding out why this is happening to our kids rather than why this is happening. Nothing wrong with me. Listen, I I'm, I'm, don't want to see anything happen to anybody, but this is our homeland. If this is where we live and you're proud of where you are, let's invest that money into uh, those resources into uh, – our uh, country instead of others. Okay, so next. Um, is this, did you have anything to say about this? You know, when you heard it, were you like, you know, the, the paranoid side come out to say, why did he just make that comment? When um, Biden went out there, what page is this on? Let me find this, page six. 
Um, so uh, President Biden says U.S. needs more funding for the next pandemic. Reuters, June 21st. President Joe Biden said on Tuesday, United States has uh, enough COVID funding to get through at least this year, but it needs more money to plan for the next pandemic. We need more money to plan for the next pandemic. There's going to be another pandemic. We have to think ahead, Biden said in remarks at the White House, to mark availability of vaccines for young children, which he said we are the first country in the world to have vaccines for kids under the age of six months, which he celebrated. And the commentary, if you read it, it's actually... 95% 95% of people who commented on it was negative. But are you reading into this comment, or is it just, no, we do need to prepare for the next First pandemic? First of all, how does he know we're going to have another pandemic, number one? Number two, I'm not one who believes uh, that the COVID-19 vaccination is necessarily safe nor effective. But I also believe that if you decide you want to take it, that's fine. That's up to you. Nobody should be required to take it. I, I believe in health freedom. But uh, you also wonder whether there is a political motivation. In other words, if you wanted to say, for example, that going to the polls was too dangerous because of a pandemic and that all voting should be done by mail-in ballot, I think that's an open invitation for voter fraud. Good point. Any thoughts on your end or no? No, you know, I, the, one, the one that I do uh, have a comment on, because both of you have used the term a couple of times, of giving money to Ukraine. I, I have a slightly different uh, ulterior motive for this, and that comes because of my background. Russia, second only to China, is a problem that we have had since 1917, mm-hmm. and we will continue to have as long as they're in power. And if you look at history, uh, Afghanistan war, we helping the Afghanis... And I know that with 2020 hindsight, we go, gee, we should have taken the missiles back before we left. But the, the Ukraine can be the downfall of what the Soviet Union is trying to become. Because when the Russian body bags start going back home, mm-hmm. and let me tell you something, one, the, the U.S. has been helping the Ukraine's, Ukrainians since 2015. They did not learn how to fight and how to run intelligence networks in, in the last three months, because there has been a, a big shift from fighting wars to taking steps to prevent wars. And the only way you can do that is working with individuals in countries that are allies, fortifying them, and if there's an issue, let them fight that fight and you support it. But I, I, I am all for, for uh, keeping Ukraine as that thorn in the side of the Russians, besides the humanitarian part and that the atrocities are being committed. This is where we're going to have to disagree. We signed a treaty in 1994 promising not to have uh, Ukraine join NATO, which is defined as putting missiles aimed at Russia uh, in NATO. We're now seeking to do that. This is not different than 1962 when the Russians put missiles in Cuba and President Kennedy objected, uh, and that was resolved, thank God, diplomatically. Uh, we do have bioweapons labs uh, in Ukraine. The silos are actually built. We haven't just dropped the missiles in. I think this could have been resolved diplomatically had the Ukrainians not agreed to join NATO, which is defined as putting Western missiles in their country. Uh, the idea that Putin, who's not a good guy, I want to be very clear. I mean, my family were Russian da- mowed down by Russian tanks in Budapest. I have no truck for the Russians. Uh, he's a thug. Uh, But at the same time, the idea that he just wants to occupy Ukraine, he can't even afford that. His economy is a basket case. 
So uh, this is going to be a costly war for him, uh, but I think it could have been resolved short of the carnage we see today. I, I don't disagree with that, but the thing, that, that ship has sailed. We are at war. And if you're going to get any silver lining out of this is, let's really button that up. You know, if the argument that Putin uses about Ukraine being a threat to them, well, why are we doing something against Cuba? Cuba is the, the cancer of Latin America. Nicaragua, Venezuela, uh, Colombia now. All these are, are funded and influenced and led. There are more intel officers from the Cuban service in those kind of countries propping them up. Didn't, didn't but, Colombia just get the first socialist uh, uh, very, democratic well, president, which means a, they're, a, next, a form, they're the next Venezuela? He was actually the, uh, a former senior uh, terrorist. Mm-hmm. He's but, part but, of the guerrilla camp. Yeah, he was one of the yeah. commanders of guerrilla camps. But you have, to, you have to wonder why the U.S. Senate, on the one hand, votes to give $40 million in aid, mostly military, lethal aid, supposedly, to Ukraine. But then they vote down a motion to have an inspector general track where that money's going. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to know where that money's going? It makes no sense to me. Yeah, somebody just commented, Inception Child said, uh, 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 what will it take to put uh, Putin on a terrorist list like Biden, uh, like Bin Laden was? Or is he a terrorist only if he attacks America? So do you see Putin as somebody that should be on that list or no, he shouldn't be on that list? Well, you know, he, he should for different reasons, but you got to understand that what, why are we surprised at what Putin is doing, the kind of person he is. He's not the anomaly in, 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 in Russian and Soviet government. If you go back to Stalin and Khrushchev and everybody in between, the majority of those the leaders of Soviet Union and now Russia are of that criminal bent. You know, they have that mentality. Uh, uh, the oligarchs that, you know, you've got 100 billionaires in Russia that are bleeding money. Uh, those things, all these things bid, you know, bad for, for Russia. But he should, that, that, that would be another nail in his coffin, declaring him that because he is, he is responsible for the acts that the military is committing in Ukraine. Would he be uh, held accountable for war crimes? Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Let me ask you to follow up on that, Rick. You basically have said that Russians and communists are expansionists, right? And then you followed up and you said, um, you know, regarding Putin's goals. And I want to ask you about Putin's goals. You said that a terminology I used used was creeping normalcy, which is basically, you know, you take a piece, you wait for a little bit, and then, um, you know, kind of wait for things to simmer down again, and then boom, you attack again. So what do you think Putin's goals are? He said it when he first took power. I will reconstitute the Soviet Union to his pre- previous glory. Um, that's a clue right there. How do you create the Soviet Union again? You take over Romania. You take over Georgia. You attack. You know, take over the Ukraine. They are inspectionistic. I don't think the the uh, the um, the Russians are creeping normalcy types. They're they're too blunt. They're too blunt of an edge. Koreans and Asian Chinese are extremely good at that. Mm-hmm. That creeping normalcy and. Where, whereas we have barely three-year plans because of the fourth year the president has to start focusing on the re-election, the Chinese or the Russians don't have that problem. They can have a 50-year plan, a 100-year plan, and you tweak it according to what it is, but the, the end goal is still the same. Our end goal as America should be to remain a republic. Their goal is to world domination. 
Who, you, when you say they, who do you mean? The Russians and the Chinese. Do you agree? Hmm. Uh, we should stop pretending the Ukrainians are a democracy. They're not no, they're a democracy. Not. Not. After the last election, uh, Zelensky uh, arrested the guy who ran second, closed down and arrested all the leaders of the opposition party, and closed down the three TV stations that supported his opponent. This is not a, a democracy. It's an epically corrupt government. Uh, I'd like to know where the money's going. Zelensky has, a, by the way, a beautiful $3.5 million condominium right here in Miami Beach. How did he get that? He's an actor. He's, uh, he was an actor prior mm -hmm. to his public service. So I think it's an epically uh, corrupt government. Uh, and I, I just don't think the issues uh, that are being used to rationalize the war are, are, are accurate. I think this could have been resolved by our simply agreeing to honor our commitment in 94 not to put missiles into, into uh, Ukraine. But Roger, you know uh, how many uh, wealthy Russian oligarch types have condos in Sunny Isles, not too far from here. They all do. But they're not in government service, though. And I'm not. And by the way, I'm not. Uh, I'm not defending the mm -hmm. Russians. I, I just would like to see us not have a war. I'm not. I'm not for this becoming uh, mm -hmm. being conflagrated into World War Three. Let me ask you. We um, we recently had on your old buddy Paul Manafort, who was mm -hmm. very outspoken on what we should do with Ukraine. Do you do you guys are you guys still in touch? Do you guys have similar opinions on these, uh, this he, matter? He knows far more about the area than I do because right. he, he's worked there. I never worked there, mm -hmm. and I'm not as familiar with the geopolitics of it as he is. Um, I only you know my views are formed by what I read, mm -hmm. so I can I can either first of all I didn't see your show, so I can yeah. either agree or disagree. We're in touch and we're certainly friendly. Mm -hmm. uh, we've had a similar experience, shall we say? Well, you guys used to have a, a lobbyist firm, yes, called uh, what Black Manafort and Stone. Black Manafort Stone, right? Thirty years ago. Yeah, exactly. And um, he was very outspoken on Ukraine. He was actually very informed. Um, so is that someone you consult with on Ukraine matters, or are you guys still friends? Well, or? First of all, he worked for the Ukrainians 20 years after that firm was dissolved. So I've, I've never, uh, I was not involved in any of that, and I didn't have an international practice. Um, we haven't talked about that, this particular issue. Our conversation's more about how my wife's doing, how his wife's doing. <laughs> I mean, his wife has had some health problems, my wife has had some health problems, so... Um, no, we have a cordial relationship. We're still friends. Good to hear. Well, but let's let's stay on this topic. Let's stay on this topic because we kind of this led into uh, uh, the the challenges with uh, Russia. So three topics I'll uh, read all together, and then I want to process all of it together on how bad things are in Russia. You see one side where you hear the approval rating of Putin is what the highest it's ever been. It's at the, what was the number we were looking at, Tyler? Eighty-three percent, something like that. Something yeah. like that. That's high. But at the same time, <laughs> Russia sinks into historic default. As sanctions muddy next steps, tougher Western sanctions that shut down payment routes to overseas creditors for months, Russia had found paths around the penalties imposed after uh, the Kremlin's invasion of Ukraine. But at the end of the day, on Sunday, the grace period on about $100 million of a trapped interest payment due May 27 expired, a deadline considered as an event of default if missed. This is a Bloomberg story. Then there was a G7 story with G7 nations to announce import ban on Russian gold and Moscow sanctions widen. Uh, the leaders of G7 Nation will announce that on uh, ban for Russian gold imports, uh, on uh, unprovoked invasion of Ukraine, etc., etc. So the move would add to a series of punitive penalties imposed by the West on Russia since its onslaught of Ukraine on February 24th. And last but not least, which, uh, you know, when, when a commentator says this, it is what it is. When a writer says it, it is what it is. When a leader of a superpower says this, you have to actually... 
you know, consider what he's saying. Vladimir Putin ally warns London will bomb will be bombed first if World War Three were to break out. It's one of his allies that says this. Uh, London will be the first strategic NATO target to hit by Russian missiles should a third world war erupt. A close ally of Vladimir Putin has claimed, speaking on the Russian state TV, Andrei Guroloyov on uh, NMP, who sits on Moscow Defense Committee, described how possible full-scale invasion of NATO ballistic Baltic uh, state members would work. He, a former military commander, a member of the pro-Putin United Russia Party, said we'll destroy the entire group of the enemy space satellites during the first air operation no one will care if they are american or british we would see them all as nato second will migrate the entire system of anti-missile defense everywhere and a hundred percent third we'll certainly won't start from warsaw paris or (coughs) berlin the first to be hit will be london how much credence should we give to this I, I think that's political barking. Uh, look at their, the Russian army's performance in Ukraine. They've had their asses handed to them. These, they were bringing in these young, un, untrained, well, you know, not well-prepared individuals, and it's been a massacre. You know, the, the might of the, of the Soviet Union is part of the illusion, just like the statistics of Putin's popularity. When you control the media, look what's happening in this country. When you control the media, you control the minds of a lot of people, or at least what you're projecting out there. So what are you saying? I, I, in, in my particular case, I'm Cuban-born. I lived under communism. I saw what communism did to my country. I fought it in Nicaragua. I fought, I fought it in five different incarnations. So I am a rabid anti-communist. And if we have an opportunity to really hurt the Russians right now, I think that it's worth the money. I agree that Ukraine is not the cleanest slate. Well, neither was Afghanistan, neither was Iraq. How many, all the wars that we have spent. And by the way, guys, both my kids are military. One of them has two combat tours, and I have been in harm's way. So this is, this is all, like it should be, I think, a, a personal thing. I saw what communism is. I know that it is, they have the goal of destroying this country from within. From within. They, they don't need to attack us. They're attacking us through the media and all this undermining that they're doing. Let me ask you, what do you think about Yuri Bezmanov? I don't know. Um, okay, because you, if you're going that angle, maybe I thought you were going that, that angle. Go ahead, Roger. What do you think? Uh, well, I certainly share his anti-communism. Uh, but the Chinese communists are a far well, bigger threat to our country uh, than the Russians. And the one thing the Ukraine conflict has done is to push the Russians and the Chinese together. They have had a historical distrust of each other. They share a common border. Richard Nixon got us a strategic arms limitation agreement out of the Russians by playing them off against the Chinese. So, But uh, to the extent that, uh, that the Russians have economic problems, they have a very wealthy neighbor willing to prop them up. And, they, and Deng Xiaoping keeps sending that signal. So uh, I also don't think that the war is going swimmingly for the Ukrainians. Ukrainians, I think we're getting a lot of war propaganda. And it appears to me that there are atrocities on both sides. The Azov Brigade. In, in all wars. Bad. In all wars. Well, And that's the most important part right there is what Roger just said, is that Russia's economy is smaller than South Korea's. And, and to date, this is Reuters, June 27th, uh, the ruble is still the, strong, the world's strongest econ- uh, currency against the dollar. The Russian economy has not tanked like people expected it to. It's still smaller than South Korea. But what Roger said, we're pushing Vladimir Putin into the arms of Xi Jinping. Xi Jinping is the threat. 
we're sending $50 billion to Ukraine. We're sending missile systems. We're sending 100,000 troops. We're not going to be able to defend ourselves in a couple months with the strongest nuclear power on the face of the earth. Why are we worried about Russia? Yes, I agree with an anti-communist stance. But again, Russia isn't what we should be worried about. What happens three steps down the road when China makes a move on Taiwan? When China eventually makes a move on Japan, they're building islands in the South China, China Sea to use as airports. Like they're they're making serious moves, and we're off concerned with Vladimir Putin, who's, I mean, he's a he's a bully. He's nothing more than a bully. But when you but, when yeah, you well, when you re, when you remove the sanctions against the Iranians, you're sending a signal to the Chinese that we won't stand up. So I mean, when when your foreign policy exudes weakness, it's an open invitation for the Chinese to move uh, on Taiwan. It's, it's a, an invitation for the world. I mean, you've heard the comparison of Biden with uh, um, um, Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter. Uh, Jimmy Carter was at least a very decent moral man and not yeah. a corrupt man. He was a very naive man. But what happened as soon as he took over? Russia takes over Afghanistan. The Iranian hostage crisis. We had people there for 444 days. Give away the Panama Canal, which is a huge strategic mistake. But what happened when Reagan came in? As soon as he swore in, the hostages were released. So I, I totally agree with you. We need to have leadership, and that was one of the beauties about Trump. You don't mess with Trump because he is going to come at you. Whether it's verbally, physically, or militarily, he is going to come at, at, at you, you. You know, this meeting f for you and I to be introduced to each other was set up by Carter. I don't know if you know that or not. Jimmy no. Carter set up this meeting for you and I to meet each other. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you're yeah, here yeah, in America and I, and I, because of Carter. I'm here in America yeah. from Iran because of Carter. So thank you, Jimmy, for introducing me to Rick. Uh, and I would have recruited you for the agency 20 years ago <laughs> if I would have come across you. And then you could have winked to your dad, you know. <laughs> and then Imagine I a, a little peanut farmer would have brought you two but guys together. Go, going back to what you guys were saying. So this is a concern I have, and I'm curious to know if you feel the same way as well. Are, are the, the current actions we're taking causing China and Russia to get closer than they were pre to the Ukraine-Russia war? There's every evidence that that is the case. Yeah, okay. absolutely. So, which, but, but in the meantime, the Chinese are systematically buying up half the of world. the country, the world, real estate, farmland, ranch land across the, the United States. I mean, there's 300,000 acres in Oklahoma alone. Statistic I read yesterday. That's phenomenal. Uh, they're buying control of minerals, almost all natural, all, all over the country, yep. everywhere across the globe. Um, they are a far greater threat. Uh, to us than the Russians. I, I totally agree. I mean, look, look what happened when Afghanistan, the Taliban declared themselves the legal government of, 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 of the country. China was the first one to recognize them. Uh -huh. Why? Because a lot of those minerals that you just alluded to are in the, in, in the underlands of, of Afghanistan. Uh -huh. and, and to go back to the question you asked earlier, in all honesty, Biden's decision to withdraw our troops from Afghanistan was not the wrong decision. Trump had been withdrawing our troops. It was it's not how he did it. It was yep. not it was how he did it, not using the, our drones, not using our technology to pin down the Taliban while we were well, to cover our back while we were leaving. Uh, and the decision not to remove our equipment or destroy it, which was an option which before we left. Well, uh, the, the this is great commentary on this topic. Uh, I want us to go to our last topic before we finish the podcast. We'll spend the last 20 minutes on this topic here, and that's Clarence Thomas, Roe v. Wade, and all the other stories that come with it. So uh, Biden and other critics fear Thomas's extreme possession, uh, position 
on contraception. Okay, if you go to page three, uh, uh, let me read this story here. In an opinion concurring with his conservative colleagues on the Supreme Court to overturn the fundamental right on abortion, Justice Clarence Thomas wrote on Friday that striking down Roe v. Wade should also open up the high court to review other precedents that may be deemed demonstrably erroneous. Amongst these, Thomas wrote, was the right for married couples to buy and use contraception without government restriction from the landmark 1965 ruling in Griswold versus Connecticut. In future cases, we should reconsider all of this court uh, substantive due process precedents, including Griswold, Lawrence, and uh, others. Thomas wrote on page 119 of the opinion in Dobbs versus Jackson, Women's Health, also referring to the ruling that legalized same-sex marriage relationships respectively. Because any substantive due process decision is demonstrably erroneous, we have a duty to correct the error established in those precedents. Thomas added, after overruling these demonstrably erroneous decisions, the question would remain whether other constitutional provisions guarantee the myriad rights that our substantive due process cases have generated. So obviously, we know what's happened the last week since this was announced. Riots are everywhere. Protesting is going on everywhere. People are going uh, 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 berserk with this decision that's been made. Um, how, how much more you think this is con- going to continue, and, and how far along you think Clarence Thomas is going to know, knowing that they have an advantage right now being 6-3? Well, we can't assume that there's a 6-3 majority for everything that one justice says. Sure. So I, I, for, I was surprised that Roe v. Wade was repealed, to be honest with you. So I didn't hand you, and I, and I don't see those things happen, but I, of course, could be wrong. Uh, the idea, of course, that uh, that saying the state should regulate abortion is extreme. No, the idea of killing a, a fetus after there's a heartbeat—that's extreme to me. So uh, this, I think, what we've done here is go back to democracy in its purest form. I mean, abortion is going to be legal, uh, and in the states where it is legal, that'll be because the voters there want it to be legal. If they don't like. Vote, uh, abortion restriction, or they want more restrictions, the voters will have the opportunity to vote in people who will give them that. But the idea that abortion will be unavailable, uh, that's not accurate. You know, it's a very personal item for me because my youngest, um, our oldest son, uh, his wife is pregnant with uh, the baby. She's four months old. And I saw the sonograms and the heartbeat of that kid in, le- in less than two months. Um, it is murder. Um, if, if a woman is raped or if, if, or if giving birth to a child is going to cause her to die for, for whatever reasons, then I totally also agree that the states, like every uh, libertarian would, should be making the decisions for the people and, and the vote is the one that does it. Um, but I would go as far as if, if you, in, in a state where it's not legal, you uh, do abortions that should be murder. The minute there's a heartbeat, as far as I'm concerned, you're killing something. And it's very easy to say, I'm going to have an abortion, and you don't see what's going on. But what would, the, what would 99% of the women do if they say, okay, abortions from now on is we will retract the, the, the fetus, and before it's dead, you got to kill it. So there, there's, a, there's a few different areas to go with this here, right? One is the pro-choice, pro-life debate, okay, which that debate's being had 24-7 nonstop. Let's set that aside. I don't want us to go through that debate because we would need to have a panel with a couple other ladies to comment as well. Let's set that part aside, okay? 
the the part that we were having this debate in Monaco was the following is do I want that decision to be made by the federal by the state or permanently making it illegal we got really three options if we look at it right so the federal government makes it illegal to have an abortion in any state let's say that's extreme right or the federal government makes it legal for anybody to have abortion in any state. Let's say that's extreme to some people, right? Uh, why do you think some people are having a challenge with it being the state's decision to do so? Is it because in case if I live in a state where I do want to have an abortion, I don't have the choice to do so, I move to another, another state? Doesn't that sound like a reasonable thing to do to leave it to the states to make that decision? What do you think, Roger? Uh, I, I, that's why I agreed with this decision. The, the, the decision will now go to the states, uh, and the government that is closest to the people always makes the best decision. If the people in Texas, uh, Texas is now, illi uh, abortion's illegal in Texas. If the people of Texas want to change that, they'll have ample opportunity to do that. Uh, whereas abortion is readily available in New York, you could probably have it, uh, you know, in the in the late trimesters. Uh, the voters there could also change that if they want to. So uh, no, I think this is actually the the right solution. If you look at it from a public opinion point of view, a slim majority of voters think that abortion should be legal, but they also support a number of restrictions on it. They don't want it available on demand at any time for any reason. Uh, the intensity on this issue is on the extremes. Mm -hmm. uh, just prior to Roe, when people were asked in a Gallup poll, what are the most important issues facing the country? 4% said abortion rights, 4%. Uh, so I don't, I don't believe this is going to be the issue for November that brings the Democrats back and lets them detract from gas prices. You don't think so? No, I think in the end it'll end up being a wash, actually. Well, let me give you some stats. Mm -hmm. Uh, because a majority of Americans do disagree with this Supreme Court decision. Can I throw some stats out there? If they understand it, yeah. <clears throat> um, overall, 56% of the American people disagree with this. 40% support it. 4% are still somehow unsure. By party Demo Democrats, 88% oppose this. 10% support it. In the GOP, 77% uh, support it. 20%, I'm sorry, yes. 77% support this ruling, 20% oppose it. Independence, and this is what we always talk about, this is the people you got to pay attention to, 53% oppose this. So a slim majority, 41% support. By gender, male, 54% oppose this, 43% support. 53% of, sorry, 59% of females oppose this decision, and 38% support. So there's a... Uh, we could all, you know, four dudes sitting around in a room, we could all give our opinions. Who, who but was that pulled by? I'm curious. Who's this is on NPR, your favorite people. Well, that makes sense if it's NPR, but go ahead. But they're, they're polling the American people there, though. So are you uh, saying that it's far I'm, off? I'm saying that I can write a poll and make it say anything I want That's by the way I word the questions. That's, okay. I mean, I've seen well, it. Well, I so. think what's going to happen, I agree with you, that the economy is going to be the number one issue in the midterms. But... Um, this is going to be something that's going to get the American women to the poll. I mean, we've we said that soccer moms uh, control the votes, that it was the COVID moms. Women are going to have a massive vote right here. Here's some stats for you. Um, where is it here? 
78% of Democrats say Roe decision makes them more likely to vote in the midterm. 78% of Democrats say they are now more likely to vote in the in the midterms because of this, as opposed to 54% of GOP. That's a 24% difference. We talked about a million Americans now considering becoming a Republican versus a Democrat. Uh, the number one issue for sure is the economy, but then you're going to have culture wars, guns, abortions, immigration. Uh, this is no small thing. Women are fucking pissed, okay? And I don't have a horse in this race. I'm not a woman. I'm I got not, a question. I don't have I, any I, of that. I, I got a question. I got a question. So um, th- this this will be a strange metaphor to make, mm-hmm. but to me, it, it kind of makes sense. You know how we say, well, you know, we can make guns illegal, but the bad guy's always going to find the guns. Mm-hmm. Okay, where's the bad guy going to buy you the guns from? Probably from another bad guy, right? Let's just say if that's the case. Okay. So in these states where they can't do abortion and they want to get an abortion and they can't afford to go to another state to get the abortion, what do they do? Is there going to be underground abortion operations being started? Yes. Is there going to be? So there's going to be a black market. Yeah. So if there's a for sure. So if there's a black market for it, where is the protection if that does happen for the woman that's going to do it? Whether you let her or not, she's going to go find somebody in the black market. Let's call it a black market in the states that don't allow it to go get it done. And maybe the black market's going to be ran by people who have done abortions professionally at a clinic at, you know, because Planned Parenthood essentially becomes a black market in those states that don't allow. So maybe they start something on the side and they do it for 250 or whatever. So they're going to provide some kind of protection. But the safety of insurance will insure. So if somebody goes and does an abortion at an illegal place in the black market and something happens to her health, will health insurance not come in and protect them? I don't think so because it is an illegal behavior that's taking place. So that is a problem that those states have to address. Now, uh, I left. My position is slightly a different position to take with this. I'm a stat guy, right? I like data because data tells me a story. So some are saying Clarence Thomas is saving more black lives than black lives matter. Uh, Because if you look at statistically in the U.S. population, right, U.S. population, 60% are white. The U.S. population, 60% is white. Blacks is 12.2%. Let me say that one more time. Five times more is the population of whites versus blacks, okay? Meanwhile, 37% of all abortions are black women versus 33% of abortions are white. So even though whites are five times the amount of blacks, the abortion for blacks is higher than whites, which is six times the amount of abortions a, you know, a blacks get than whites. So some people say, well, that's racist. Well, the racist in that topic can be seen in two different ways because more black kids are being aborted then white kids are being aborted. So who is the racist? Does that decrease the chances of more blacks having a voice in the community make a difference if we're getting five times more the kids to be aborted? And you know, back in the days, this was a conspiracy on the fact that they were doing this because with the whole, cra- you know, all the stories that was going on, this is a way to eliminate from, hey, let's go out there and do this because this can help us uh, uh, with the amount of voice that they could have. There is that topic that's coming up as well when you're looking at the stats in regards to what's going on with uh, Clarence Thomas. But if you if you break it down in the state, you're the governor. Here's how the governor says, look, in our state, we don't want to do abortions. You don't like it? Guess what? 
if an if a governor really supports this, this is how the governor's approach should be. We don't, but there is 17 states you can go to where you can get it. Okay, very simple. Go to these 17 states. Okay, you know if somebody protests and riots against somebody that doesn't allow same-sex marriage, guess what that state governor can say? We don't. But there's these 17 states that you can mm-hmm. go to that does. They support you. Go to that state. So now, Pat, that's racist. Well, let me tell you what I did. I'm in California, and I'm against the 13.5% state taxes and the gas taxes and this taxes and regulation and all this other stuff. And guess what Governor Newsom said? He said to me indirectly, well, if you don't like it, there's these seven states that you don't pay taxes. And guess what I said? I said, you know what? I appreciate really? the offer, Governor Newsom. I moved to Texas. I lived in Texas for five years. And 18 months ago, we moved to Florida, right, to be in a state like this because I like the way the governor handled it. So my position here to those that are losing their minds is the following. The hypocrisy is when people are rioting and protesting in states where abortion hasn't changed. California, you're fine. Uh, New York, you're fine protesting in your. It's very weird that you're protesting. You're not affected by this. This is affected to some other states that are doing it. I say, oh, I agree. Go and protest. That's one of the freedoms that we have in America. But just like a business owner can choose to leave to another state because they have low regulation and lower taxes to allow them to hire more people, you also have the choice to move to a different state that gives you those freedoms to do whatever you want to do with your body. Is that uh, uh, discriminatory? I don't know. I think you have a choice. So if you're in a state that doesn't allow you and that really infuriates you, you have two choices. Try to make the change in that state, which is kind of what you were talking about, right? Or number two, go move to a state that allows you to do that. You have a choice. It's America. You're not forced to stay anywhere. And you now have major employers saying that they will Mm -hmm. pay for the travel. Now, Now, are they really saying, well, paying for maternity leave is a lot more expensive than paying for an abortion, right. uh, but uh, first of all, I would say two things. Polling any question in the eye of the storm is very difficult. You're going to get you're going to get a skewed result. Do you agree with the decision? That that implies people know what the decision means. Many of my friends said oh, abortion is now illegal everywhere. Well, that's not what this decision says. So, what this looks like in three months mm-hmm. could be very different than what it looks like today. Depends on depends on public understanding of the issue, which I'm not sure is there today. I like what you said, um, polling in the eye of the storm was is what, how'd you describe it? Yeah, mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. It's what? Well, whenever you try to take a survey yeah. in the middle of a crisis. Exactly. It, before, Emotions play a, a huge role. Right, until things settle down and public opinions are more set, mm-hmm. uh, when you're in the middle of the controversy is not the time to measure the impact of well, the Well, that's the time that people are going to want to hear the sentiment of the country. From a, well, yeah. the, but it, even though recognizing it may be temporary. Mm-hmm. Well, let me say one thing. About the, the As always, just like in the economy, just everything with COVID, the, who's going to get hurt the most? The poor. Like, the poor don't have the luxury of just moving to another state or having their amazing Fortune 500 corporation pay for their abortion. Who says? So, who says? Who says? I was poor. We moved to America. Immigrants come to America, they're rich? I'm sorry. Do immigrants who come to America are rich immigrants? Poor immigrants come to I'm America. I'm talking about state to state, though. No, but that, that's even easier. It's easier to go to another state than to come to a country. 
It's How many ten, people are going to go move to another state because they want to get another many abortion? Many do. Are you kidding me? Many they move. They have to visit. It's, 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 no, it's though. not. They, they it's, don't not. Have, it's not expensive no, to move. What they are you don't, they don't have to move. They no. just have to go there for the procedure. Yeah. The, you, 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 so if you're in the if you're in the in the belly of Texas and you got to, what's the closest state to Texas? That you can go get an abortion, California. Okay, so how long is that going to take? I mean, I'm just saying it's not e- it's not as easy as yeah. Right, no, move to but, California. no, but I tell you, I tell you, when we when I was in California and I was mm-hmm. broke, guess where I went to a dentist? Where? Where? Mexico. Mexico. Jesus. Yes. <laughs> okay. You you know what the prices in Mexico compared to what it is in California? I would drive five and a half hours to go to TJ to see my dentist that didn't speak English. <laughs> I went there and he got it done and it was good. And, and I, your beautiful teeth these the, days. The point I'm trying to make to you, I was poor. Yeah. I was 49K in debt and I had barely 500 bucks in a bank. I had no money. But I'm like, listen, my teeth are killing me. I can't even stay. Mm-hmm. So I get what you're saying on the fact that you have the choice to go to another state. Look, just like the rest of us move, if you don't like where you're living at, and there are 40 million immigrants are in America, where do they leave? If the situation was so great... They would have never left. They left because they were not happy with something. If you're not happy living in a state that's red or purple and is disagreeing with your views, I highly recommend you move to Oregon, move to California, move to New York, move to Chicago. It's more of people that agree with you. Look, the story of Ayn Rand with Atlas Shrugged, what is the story? You know, the story is there's a city that you go to where you're around like-minded people. If you want to be around like-minded people and you afford this or any of this stuff, there's plenty of states for you. Okay? We came up. I never said, hey, guys, we should consider moving to Oregon. Did, I, did you ever hear me say Oregon? No, thank you. Did, did I ever say or, so uh, Florida, uh, Illinois? I, I said a couple states and we came here. Can I, can I make one quick point about our friend Clarence Thomas? Yes. Uh, this man does not represent America. Okay, and I'll tell you why. And this is not my opinion, but I went on to Axios. Are they a trustworthy source? Anyone? Maybe. Uh, but they did a, um, they basically judged the, the political leanings of the Supreme Court. And on the Supreme Court, you have someone that's on the very far, far left, Sotomayor, and someone who is on the extreme right, Clarence Thomas. And it, they are both on, they are, you, when you talk about the far left and the far right have the loudest voices, that's them. So remove them. Basically, they have a plus one, plus two, plus three, right? If you're plus three, you're very extreme on the right. That's where Clarence Thomas is. Sotomayor is plus three on the left. These are very extreme liberal and conservative voices. That's not where America is. You know where America is? Everyone's going crazy over Gorsuch. Everyone's going crazy over Amy Comey Barrett. Everyone's going crazy over uh, Kavanaugh, right? But they're just plus ones. They're right where John Roberts is. They're not extremists, okay? And just on the left, you have Kagan and uh, Breyer. This is where America is. So five out of the seven justices, what I would say, represent most Americans. Clarence Thomas is an extremist. Whether you agree with him or not, he is, you talk about Sotomayor, data. Is Sotomayor also an extremist? That's what, exactly what I said, Roger. Yeah. She's okay, extremely on the that, left. That, that's true. But they were both appointed Supreme Court by duly elected presidents of different parties. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're supposed to believe in the rule of law. They're the justices, whether you like I'm it or not. I'm not saying that they should be you know, unhinged or but, taken off the court. I'm just saying Clarence I, Thomas's opinions are not what 90% of Americans agree with. He is an extremist, mm-hmm. just like she is. Okay, but you also, this is a Supreme Court that up, upheld Obamacare, for example. Uh, and those Republicans all swung for that. Not him, though. 
not ha- well i understand that but he's there for life <laughs> let me let me let me let me say something here that we all have learned <laughs> the last 6 years okay this is what we've all learned to flip 3 seats may be the biggest milestone if you can be a two term president and flip no seats or be a one term president and flip 3 seats 10 out of 10 times any party left or right would take a one-term president who flips three seats. Mm -hmm. That may be the biggest milestone any president's ever done in mankind to favor their party. You're talking about Trump. Oh, my God. Well, do you remember his quote? What's that? Whether you love me or hate me, you got to vote for me because of the Supreme Court. Yeah. Yeah, Remember he came out and said that? At least he was was upfront about what he was going to do. It was interesting that in his comments... When Biden assailed the decision of the court, he attacked the three justices appointed by Trump. He didn't mention the two appointed by Bush, mm-hmm. who voted the same way. Didn't even mention them. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, if you go back and you study Clarence Thomas's history linked to Biden, your opinion about Clarence Thomas would be very different. If you actually go back and see what this guy's done in his life. He's got one of the best resumes on what he's done. I don't, I don't Especially have, where he came yeah. from. I mean, he, he, he the, was raised by his grandfather in literal poverty. He couldn't even speak English until I, he was Let me like tell you 13. something. I give two shits about, because I don't have an opinion on him. I'm letting you know what the facts say. But he that also he's didn't an extreme write the majority opinion right in this, Supreme so. Court justice. The facts show that. I'm not saying well, that Axios I like him or not facts. like him. But yeah, but... What are you saying that they that they okay. that they're not this collecting really the data simple. correctly? Nowhere in the United States Constitution is Roe mentioned at all. I'm even, not even talking RBG. about Roe, Tyler. I'm talking about Clarence Thomas specifically. But this is the broader issue: is everybody wants to talk about Roe right now? Okay, you said 78 percent of Democratic women are more likely to vote in the midterms. I said 78 percent of Democrats. Yes, as they should. If you want federally legal abortion, vote on it. Tell your Congress people to codify Roe in the Constitution. Get two-thirds of the country to, to vote on a constitutional amendment. It's not up to nine Supreme Court justices the end of it. to make the rules. I will say this to you. If there is uh, 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 anybody in America right now that needs security around them, I know six people that do. And I know one that needs a lot of people around them. Uh, because just the other day, I don't know if you guys saw or not, Jelaine Maxwell was put on suicide watch. I don't know how they make the decision like that. So that's another news that could be changing anytime soon. Why he was put on that, uh, she was put on that suicide watch, I don't know. But I hope the right Secret Service, you know, security protection is around those You're talking people. about Supreme Court justices. Oh, my well, God. Well, there was the story Thomas about right uh, now, the guy who came by Kavanaugh's yeah, house, right? They mm-hmm. need protection like there is no tomorrow. They need protection. Anyways, great podcast. Uh, excited to do this again Roger thanks for coming out Rick thanks for coming out Thursday we're doing it again I'm on this week twice Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, a massive uh, 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 um, thing the biggest uh, um, exciting thing in business ever happened this week that we'll talk about on the Thursday podcast yeah I'm excited for that and maybe you'll reveal where you've been for the last 10 days but it's not just where we've been because people know where we've been it's what's happened when we've been away which I can't wait for that folks to the members out there, the PBD Podcast, love you. You guys are constantly, uh, we're, we're reading your stuff, what you're saying. To everybody that contributed today, thank you. And if you enjoyed today's format with Rick Prado and Roger Stone, CMO, a.k.a. <laughs> many different names we can give to the guests that we had on today. Agent give us a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, and let us know if you want to back on because I know we're going to do this again because the next 12, 18 months is going to be crazy. We're going to want to hear what they have to say. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye.